Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing for NRL Tour. And we are officially two days away from kickoff boxhead. Round one of the 2018 NRL season is upon us. Only two more sleeps, my friend. Two more sleeps. Outstanding. And uh, obviously anybody out there, if you haven't tuned back in, bit of a slow burn. Not saying the numbers were, were bad, but as always, taking a bit of time to warm up to the preview podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, you've still got two days to get your ears into that one uh, as well as the round one preview. And as we kick things off here, we said obviously last week, Brock, there were going to be some changes this year, um, and we tried to get some sponsors on board or some other people to help give some. us a bit of support. We've got thousands. We looked for a response from the listeners, and we must say a big thank you before we get kicked off because we had plenty of inquiries, but we've ended up with four that are willing to come on board so far. We have, yeah. So we've got Penrith Solar Centre. That is one that we've got coming on board, so they're going to be... Uh, one of the ones featured on the show, and the PM Boltmaster, yep. or another one who are on board, PokerDeluxe.com, and we've also got the Pro Sports Syndicate, and that one I'm going to go into in a bit more depth later on, but explaining, we obviously uh, said last week we're no longer with William Hill, and we're not going to go with a betting agency, we are now with a betting syndicate, so for the punters like ourselves, we're all about the punter, and so are the Pro Sports Syndicate, so they are. they're going to be... Punters, they're going to give us some... Uh... Some good bets, I reckon. Yep, they're going to give us some good bets. And uh, anybody out there loves a punt like us, you're going to love that. And on top of that, they're willing to take over our charity account, even though they're not a betting agency. So Which is fantastic. Outstanding yeah. by them. And we'll go into depth about them. So a big thank you to Matt and the boys over there at the Pro Sports Syndicate. But we just have to thank those other sponsors that have now joined us this year. Penrith Solar Centre being the first one of those to come on board. They say defence is the best offence. So what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills. Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC is devoted to giving you the control of your power bills back. And Brock, you can vouch for that firsthand. I can. You've actually I've got a system, my friend. Got your own system. And for anybody out there, we talk about what we do for work on the show. I actually work in the electrical industry and the number one gripe more customers have when I turn their power off during the day to work on it is my bills are going up and it's your fault. Yeah. Well, Number one, it's not my fault, but I've also got one of these systems. And let me tell you, solar is the way to go if you want to save money on your bills because yeah, they're is. not going to be getting any lower, unfortunately. No, it's, and the uh, energy companies will shiv you any way they can. So, 100%. And Penrose Solar Center, they want the sun to work for you and your home and put money back in your pocket. So save thousands per year in energy costs. It may just be the difference between good to great seats watching your colors in the 2018 Grand Final. So make sure you contact them at Penrose Solar Center today on 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how they can make you real winners this season. And you can see them on Facebook, Penrith Solar Centre, or www.penrithsolar.com.au. 
good times. So that's it. Yeah, give them a buzz. They uh, they're doing some good stuff around the local area. Um, so if you're in Sydney, give them a bell. They are the leaders. In a couple of years, they will be. No, they're going to be huge. They're going to be massive, yeah. And like I said, so, we've both got onto that. and They can't employ, employ enough staff for the work they've got at the moment. So get onto them. Good prices, good products. Yeah, and that's one thing. Energy bills are killing us all. But Nepean Boltmaster, they're another one who's come on board. And uh, they are the number one for fastening systems and suppliers. Their main office is located at Penrith, which covers a massive 1,500 square metres. And they've also got a second branch in Seven Hills. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state. There is a lot more to Nepean Boltmaster than just fasteners. You will find they also have a range of industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials, and handling products, safety, cleaning, paints, and general hardware items. They provide the total needs sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineered in all associated industry segments. So a big thank you to Woz and the blokes over there. You can see them on Facebook also on their website, www nepbolt.com.au and again being a tradesman I actually use Boltmaster for some of my stuff so got to give them a bit of a wrap out there any tradies in Western Sydney or Sydney in general that need some help and uh, Poker Deluxe being that last one we talked about I've personally used these guys for a Bucks party but they also do corporate events we can't go into that oh they do corporate events Christmas parties Bucks parties hens fundraising events and social events and poker nights but for the guys out there and football clubs in general the footy season is about to start and if you are part of a sports team and you're looking for a fundraiser, ideas for your club. Well, look no further. With over 10 years' experience, Poker Deluxe are the industry leaders in fundraising events for sporting clubs. Paul Adam and the team over there are passionate about what they do and committed to raising much-needed funds for local sports clubs. Their fundraisers come with a whopping 1,000 profit guarantee as a minimum, and they also provide all the equipment. Hosts to run the night and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer for anyone out there in your football club if you're looking for a bit of a fundraiser here. Uh, if you're in the committee or involved with the club, any sports team, have a chat with Poker Deluxe. See if they can help you and get that guaranteed $1,000 for a really fun night. To date, they've helped raise over $1.5 million for sporting clubs around Australia, and they do all states besides Tasmania, which is pretty massive. So they've got big coverage there. Uh, if you get onto them, they deliver premier poker events for all fundraising groups, social groups, corporate businesses, networking, etc., bucks, hens, all sorts of things. So make sure you get onto them, www.pokerdelocks.com.au. And uh, we'll be putting up links for all those later on that have now joined the show. And obviously, we'll talk about the Pro Sports Syndicate there. But for everybody out there, on to the football for round one. And most importantly, uh, we're going to preview these games, Boxhead. We are. We are also going to do a bit of a look at uh, our season predictions again, just going over them. And also, Mr. Gossips and explain the situation that's going on there. He's going to be kind of on and off with this this year, just because he's fairly busy with work. So... He'll be coming on maybe every fortnight to four weeks, but he's still going to be providing all the goods. We'll be doing our tips as well, and obviously the most important thing, fan questions. Yep, absolutely. Everybody We're going to start this week. So, so We'll give uh, a bit of a free-for-all to kick things off, and then we'll move into our normal material for the rest of the year, weeks on with set of six, game reviews, all those kind of bits and pieces. So kicking things off straight away for the round one fan questions, Craig Norenberg's Carney to the Cowboys, disaster waiting to happen. I don't know about that. It's going to be last chance saloon, so hopefully, well, hopefully he can uh, keep his behaviour in check. But his track record isn't good. No, it's a great depth signing when you look at it from that perspective. Uh, he can play multiple positions. He can play at fullback in the halves. Don't know about any of the other ones are a good bench spot, but you know for them right now, I think it's just value for money. Mm. Uh, will the NRL register the deal? I, I've said they've agreed to terms, or I've heard they've agreed to terms, but is it actually registered? That's my question. Mm. And will yeah. it get registered? So uh, for them, it, it's a no-brainer. It's just a free stab in the dark. 
Uh, Mitch Brackenridge, he's talking about the Matt Lodge CT T footage looks really ugly. We are really going to let this bloke play round one with a transparent plan to compensate his victims. I'm keen to see him play and earn some cash to pay it off, but don't think the NRL owes the fans and stakeholders uh, an, an explanation. PS pumped out, uh, pumped up about the return of the podcast. Much appreciated. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, look, I'll, I don't believe Matt Lodge should be back playing. If we're going to set a standard, there's no consistency in terms of who comes back, who's banned, why they're banned. Um, for me, you throw darts at a dartboard and you'd, you'd have more consistency than what the NRL's coming up with. And the integrity unit was brought in for this exact reason to make sure that uh, that things were transparent and there was some sort of consistency, but it's gone out the window. Yeah, and looking at it, this situation, then we go back to Todd Carney. Did the things he do... You know, offend people, yes. Were they wrong? Yes. But compared to, you know, assaulting people or breaking and entering all the things that Matt Lodge has done, I think that offence alone is worse than all of Todd Carney's put together. Mm. Yet we're saying Todd Carney can't come back into the game. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. I agree. If Matt Lodge is allowed, please. Yeah, and Ben Barber's had a couple of issues, obviously, with the cocaine thing and uh, prior to that. And we're talking him coming back and the NRL was like, well, that's possible as well. So yeah. it just seems more like what you're saying. It's a bit random and sporadic what they do, but... There is a lot of uproar in Brisbane. There's some fans that are literally filthy to their club, which is yeah. a pretty big well, thing. <clears throat> um, Brisbane, yeah. Brisbane copped a carve-up. Uh, well, they've copped a carve-up in the press the last few days. It's interesting timing to me because we should be talking about football. Well, Everyone's known that Matt Lodge has signed with Brisbane months ago. so And Fox conveniently dropped the footage of this a couple of days out as well and yeah. just put the story in to stir the pot. So they got the clicks there after. But yeah. uh, I can understand people being offended. Stephen Moorcroft, be a negative question straight up, but first coach to be let go, sacked, his pick is Anthony Griffin. Oh, I don't know whether he'll be first. I would think if the Warriors get off to a shaky yeah. start, Kearney will be first. Uh, but, yeah, Griffin certainly doesn't look um, safe. Well, the two way. most obvious, and I was about to say that, and you've just nailed it on the head, would be Griffin and Kearney, realistically. They're the ones you'd have to think are the first two that would be likely... Uh, to be let go this season. Anyone else that I can kind of think of off the top of my head? Not really at this point in time. Uh, I think the other one I mentioned to you more uh, in passing when we were talking about it, but I don't think early on in this, actually it could be early on in the season, is the Dragons. I think Mary McGregor's had a few years where they've started really well, they've fallen off, but he's come out and exclaimed now that this is his team. So as far as I'm concerned, not early in the year, but maybe later in the year, if they don't make finals, I think he gets sacked. Mm. But the two most Ricky under Stewart, pressure. If, if they started slow? There's I mean, a few that have they're yeah. probably into like three and four years, like you're saying with Mary McGregor. Griffin's another one. I think the two that could be Kearney. sacked early doors, though, would be Griffin or Kearney, if mm. I was going to have to say one. Uh, Johnny Ashkay, question for Brock. Do you think Lewis takes premierships for granted being a Storm fan? Yes. And Super Bowls. The Ouch. whole lot. Ouch. Yeah, definitely do. You can't say You've got an arrogance, I, mate. You can't say I don't appreciate him. Come you on. Don't, you probably don't. You don't understand the pain of not winning. You don't understand the pain of that Super Bowl. That hurt. Been there, been there, up 28-3. None of my teams ever win, ever. Well, for anyone To be there, there, 28-3, and by myself. Yeah. I was already in enough strife for kicking my wife well, out in Hawaii and flying back to For anyone out there who doesn't know this story, Brock is a tortured sports fan of the Atlanta Falcons, Gold Coast Titans, and God knows what else. But he actually stayed on, on his own up for his honeymoon because the Atlanta Falcons made the Super Bowl. I'm a Patriots fan, and he was in the stadium on his own when they blew that. 28-3. So. And you're sending me text messages, oh, it's over, man. It's over. Yeah. It's over, man. It's over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fucking uh, jinx. So, yeah. You did take him for granted. I'd love one. 
You've got 50. So your team, one of your teams wins every year. So I'll dry it. Last year you had what? Melbourne and the Patriots. Well, Again, Melbourne lost the year before the yeah, Patriots, Patriots won. But they're then, in it. Yeah. I'd much rather, I'd, I'd, and then Melbourne yeah. won this year and the Patriots lost. So it's kind of And the Falcons, game. what? They got beat by Philly who ended up going on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Had, it, had what? Four plays from the eight-yard line and we couldn't score. Yeah. Let's just, let's just keep going over it. Yeah. Fair enough. Tops. Uh, Matty Timbrell, is an 80-minute hooker a must for teams or do you think the impact of a fresh nine utility on the bench is worth more than another big body? It's roster for roster. I don't think it's a must because, again, if you're going to throw that out there right now, is it a must for the Melbourne Storm? No, it's not. No, that's because what I'm saying. It's they have for the most complete number nine in the game who doesn't need to be taken off. But mm-hmm. for other teams, and again, you've basically answered your own question, if you're the Canberra Raiders now that uh, Josh Hodgson, you obviously probably need two nines. You can't trust someone to play the full 80 minutes and Saliva Harvey and Craig Garvey between them play two completely different roles. One guy's going to start off Dish the footy, make some tackles. The other one's going to come off the bench and make an impact. But as far as I know now, Blake Austin's been named. But Brock's nailed it. Roster for roster. Depends on the quality of your nine. And most clubs don't have a nine that will give you 80 minutes. No, that's right. There's not many of them left over. A couple of years ago, you would have said Isaac Luke, Robbie Farrar, Cameron Smith, you know, maybe Matt Ballman who's at Manly. But a lot of guys, there's not a lot of nines right now that dominate and demand 80 minutes. And a lot of teams are carrying too. Yeah, it's fair. Daniel Stewart, either of you guys heading in for round one, Penrith, uh, Penrith versus Parramatta. Yeah, we are. We're both going. Yeah, we will be there. We'll be there. Somewhere, uh, probably on the hill having a beer or something like that. Yeah. Zach Maitland, who's your pick for rookie of the year? Oh, that's a hard one. It's always hard to bring rookies up off the top of the head. Uh, it'd probably be more one to answer later on when we actually get to see the lineups. But guys breaking in to teams and getting a start. I think one who's got a good chance and generally it is an outside back would be Sione Katoa for the Cronulla Sharks. Mm. If he holds that wing spot, he's going to be on the end of a pretty decent back line. He might grab some four-pointers. I would have said Corey Riddell, but he's, he's, he tore his peck. He's out for the year. So. Yeah, he's been injured. Other guys to debut will, again, have to have a bit of a look at yeah. uh, some of the lineups later on to see who's playing. But I think early one off the top of my head, Sione Katoa, if he does get a full season on that wing, I'm sure he'll grab uh, plenty of four-pointers for the Cronulla Sharks. So he's one that might have a good chance of getting Rookie of the Year. Uh, does Brody Croft count? Has he played enough games to not be nominated know. for that? Yeah, he'd be... Well, I think he only played five or six last year. I don't know how many it counts for you to be a well, rookie. that's stupid. Like, it should year. just be one. As soon as you debut, you're a rookie and that's it. Yeah, like, well, I'm with you. But yeah. if that doesn't count, Brody Croft's the other obvious one that I'd be throwing out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's uh, do you, uh, sorry Dominic Peter Peter? Do you think guys like Crichton, Corey Harrow, and Ira and Fitzgibbon had great years last year, but now they're on the radar? Teams will be onto their hole running, and they will be contained, or are they destined to get even better? Well, uh, I think they'll get better. I think that's also a result of what happens around you. It's mm. one thing to be able to run a line or run a hole, and people know what you're doing, but. If your halves are not digging into a line, if the forward pack's not laying a platform for the halves to get the football and try and dig into the line to create those distractions, there's a lot of other things that have got to have a knock-on effect to getting a back row one-on-one or hitting a hole or something like that. So yeah, um, I think it's more than just those individual players, those individual players getting better. You'd think that Crichton would be one that's a lot more heavily targeted this year. But again, they're getting him the football on the edge starts a lot with what happens in the middle of the field. Harawira Naira, I think he's come off a shoulder injury. Will he get a start? I think he's going to be fighting with Kikau to kind of hold on to that spot. Lachlan Fitzgibbon's definitely getting first crack on being on edge again in Newcastle. And with Pierce there, if he's on that side of the field, he should see plenty of quality football again. So have to wait and see what happens there. But yeah, there's a lot of a knock-on effect coming from the middle of the field. Yeah, definitely. Russell Hardup with the Roosters props. Uh, Rhea Hargraves, Napa, Tokyo. If you had to start one, bench one, drop one, like marry, sex, and kill. Which ones would they be? Show your working, any reasons, justifiable, inspiration, impact, dead weight, etc. 
well, out of those three, I'd be more likely to probably start Rhea Hargraves and Napa and bring Tokiaho on as the impact player. But at the same time, I could make a case for Napa or Tokiaho to either start or come off the bench. I think so those... start one, bench one, drop one, mate. Oh, start one, bench one, drop one. Well, if you're going to drop one, I wouldn't drop any, any of the three. That's what makes it yeah, hard for Well, you're going to answer the question, mate. Yeah, well, drop one, bloody hell. If you're going to form at the back end of last year, I'd, uh, I'd probably, I'd, I would have been dropping Napa or Warrior Hargreaves between one of those two. I'd drop Warrior Hargreaves. I'd start Tokiaho and I'd bench, bench Napa. Napa. But yeah, the back end of last year, if you're going that way about it, they both finished off quite poorly. Tokiaho was very good once he returned from injury, but I think uh, seeing the lineups early on, Rhea Hargraves is going to be starting with Tokiaho. Napa's been put back to the bench. Mm. We obviously heard murmurs at the back end of last year that Napa and Robinson had some issues and that he was possibly going to be moving to the Parramatta Eels and the Gold Coast Titans were also interested, but... Uh, we'll see if they can mend fences and he can get back to the form that saw him play Origin. But I'd probably agree with Brock on that one if you had to put a gun to my head right now. Paul Agirios. Uh, he's not a fan of McGregor. Here he goes again. Oh, good. Here we go. Do you think I haven't after, even played a game yet. Do you think after five years, Supercoach McGregor has worked out how <laughs> to go two out instead of one and to use Frizzell on the edge and let him play a little? Well, I hope so. Oh, no, Fr- Frizzell's not going to play on the edge. He's going to play in the middle. Well, I think this week he's been named on an edge. Has he been named on an edge? Yeah, okay. Because well, maybe got Graham Vaughan and then on the bench will be oh, you got Armel, DeBellin at lock, yeah. Sele, et cetera. DeBellin will be playing lock. It'll be Frizzell yeah. and Thompson playing on the edges. So that seems to be the go to start off with. I think the big thing for them this year, mate, they've finally got two halves. Stuffy seemed uh, like he'd settled in a bit better in those couple of trial games. But if those three get things together, form nice combinations in the forward pack laser platform. They should be no less than finals this year, you'd expect, especially mm-hmm. getting Benny Hunt in. They've been missing that extra half, that's for yeah, sure. My eight. Yep. Uh, Daniel Holland's thoughts on the crackdown on the play of the ball. And if this does continue in the season, will it make any difference to the way teams attack, particularly the hookers? Great to have you boys back. Enjoy the previous show. Hope Foreign can stay healthy. As you said, we can have an attack worth watching for the first time in a long while. Mm. Uh, thoughts on the crackdown, the play the ball. We've been talking about it for years. Good. I'm glad, but as long as they're consistent with it. As long as it continues, which is what you've just mentioned. We've had a lot of instances in the past where they bring up things, we're cracking down on this, we're doing this, and then after Last three rounds. four to six weeks, it just kind of disappears. But it seems this is one, uh, they say, make the effort to at least put your foot on the play the ball. Does it have an impact on the nines? Well, it does, because you can no longer just roll the ball. So blokes handling the ball, the way they play the ball, uh, you know, how the speed of the play the ball, getting time to jump out, isolate defenders. Some nines will be affected by it, especially guys that like to get out and run. Mm-hmm. Uh, for your smarter guys that like to manipulate things, like your Smith and this, they'll just continue along their way. But guys that are relying off quick play the balls and isolating people, they might struggle a bit if they can't get these quick play the balls. And we'll see if those penalties do stick, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a wait and see sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, I really do hope they're consistent because every time they bring up things they're going to crack down about, we've said it before, four to six weeks and it's generally already disappeared. Yeah. Jamie Wesley, hi guys, welcome back for another season. My question is, when the NRL going to make the game day experience better than my lounge room experience? As you know, I spent three weeks in the States watching NFL, uh, an NFL team I don't follow and had the best time of my life. Ticket prices were so-so, but inside stadium prices cheap. Come on, NRL, do better. Well, you've talked about this multiple times before. I don't think we need to get too heavily into this one. But when you're over in the US, you said that the experience inside the stadium, the comfort of the stadium, the food prices, the entertainment, all that stuff was much better than yeah. what we have here. They know that. They're, the NRL is doing a lot of research, but they've also got to work with stadiums and contractors and all that sort of stuff. Most of the NFL teams are privately owned and the owners obviously deal with the contractors. So there's there's different, I guess, 
relationships between the governing body and the teams and the stadiums to the US, you know, compared to Australia. So that's something you need to take into consideration. But we've definitely got to do more to make things cheaper and make things more attractive for people to get out to the ground. Yeah. Christian Tanana, I was thinking about this even though I don't like the show Married at First Sight. Wow. Jeez. Are there any player slash player, player or player, 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 coach type relationships we can expect drama from this year that would be more than worthy to follow than that program? Or are there couples you could force together for a laugh? Corey Norman and Brad Arthur. Yeah, that, that's a constant thing where it seems like Arthur pumps his tyres up and says he's going to be good this year, but he does give him headaches. There's no doubt about um, that. Griffin and the whole side. Griffin and everyone. <laughs> if you're going to go play Griffin and Gus. Oh, dear God. Yeah, there's, there's a few good ones. Steve Kearney and the Warriors owner. Yeah, there's a few good ones. That may be short and sharp. Cooper Conk and Cameron Smith. Ricky and every referee. Oh, Ricky and everybody at the Canberra Raiders Club. Yeah. Oh, Matt Lodge. And everybody, oh all of society, <laughs> all Americans. Oh dear God! There's a couple interesting ones. Player player relationships. I'm just trying to play think. Player, player, play player, 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 team, team, team player. Laurie Daly. Ah, uh, player coach. Is there any other ones you can think of? Nah. Mm. Craig Bellamy and his old Craig. team. <laughs> Brody Croft, I reckon, is going to be in the crosshairs this year. Oh, that, there's one. You just sparked that one. Cameron yeah. Munster. Yeah, true. And Craig Bellamy. Yeah. Cameron Smith and Cameron Munster. Just about everyone with Cameron Munster down there. If he doesn't pull his finger out. Josh yeah. Dugan, Shane Flanagan. The Sharks, Gallon and Dugan. There's a couple of people there. Gallon and Lodge. He's already had an issue yesterday saying something like that. There's a few, so that'd be interesting. But yeah, maths is absolute rubbish. William Robertson, <laughs> no question. Just happy to have you boys back. Bring on the footy. Much appreciated, pal. Thanks, Bill. Matt Ballantyne. Hey, guys, welcome back. He's got a question about the Yeah, Eels. Welcome back. He says, I know this sounds crazy, but I look at Hayne and I see a back row with ball skills. He'd be a weapon in the middle, maybe coming off the bench. He's no longer a number one, uh, a speed star. Now he's the size of a rhino and twice as strong with the hands of gold and burst of speed and power. Also allows room for Gutho and French to play a larger role on attack and at fullback and centre respectively. What do you reckon? Oh, I'm going to push a wait and see button on Hayne. Well, I'm going to throw I, this he out He obviously there. hated the Gold Coast, so, and I, you know what he can deliver if he's at his best. But for me, this is last chance saloon for Jared. He's yeah. got, to, got to have a good year this year. I don't think he can play back row. No, he can't play back row. He's got to play centre. If you're going to play back row, you need to be fit. One of the fittest blokes on the field. You've got to be able to make 40 tackles. You've got to hit holes. You've got to be committed. To be honest, I still think there's some good in Hayne. Like, talent undeniable, ability undeniable, but it's going to be playing centre. I don't think it's going to be playing fullback. He's back where he's comfortable. The last season he played at the Eels, he won a Daly M. Yeah, and as far as fitting all those pieces in, I don't think they've got a problem. I think it makes them more versatile because they can throw different looks at you. You Mm. can have... Bevan French come up inside good ball and you can have Jared bring it back from kick returns inside 20 because he's a better ball runner. He can also jump in at fullback. He can run double leads both sides of the field. There's a lot of ways they can use these guys. and yeah. They can ease Gutherson back in with his knee on the wing if need be before they put him at fullback if that's the way they're going to go. So I don't see a problem with fitting all three in, mate. Uh, I can see where your head is kind of going with this one, but I think center is going to be his spot. And, uh, as much as everyone has hating on him for his fitness, there's definitely no way he's fit enough to play back row. And you wouldn't bring him off the bench or something like that to do that kind of job either. So center, I think, is definitely his spot. Jay Smith, early predictions for players who will move mid-season. Last year, there seemed to be a lot. Well, I don't know if there'll be as many this year just because we've had so much movement in the off-season. And even the last couple of days, we've had uh, Lawton from the Gold Coast Titan move to the Warriors, and then you've had Arda Hingano move over to the Raiders. There's been a couple of last-minute moves there. So there's not really any outstanding contracts or moves off the top of my head I could see. Probably the only one I could think of right now and that's only if he wants to be out, if he's not playing, is Robbie Farah at South. If he's pushed out and Cook's playing and he's not part of the 
the side there. Could he possibly move? I don't think any club would be willing to pick up his contract, but is there a possibility of a Super League move mid-season or something like that? Um, maybe, yeah. Possibly, maybe. but that's about the only glaring one I can think of. I think a lot of the moves that could have happened happened in the off-season. So, mm. um, yeah, don't really have anything there. Rob Carter, do you see Benji Marshall getting game time at hooker? Uh, and in the back row, or will he purely be halves, alternative when Reynolds moves into nine? He'll be on the bench. Feels like he has a lot to offer in positions other than 5 eight. Yeah, you're saying where off the bench will he play? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, from listening to halves what, and Reynolds will go in and play nine. Yeah, from what he said, and Reynolds is pretty open about that with Ivan Cleary, it looks like he'll be moving to nine. And looking at, again, the team they named this week, Matt McCurick's not in the 18, uh, sorry, not in the 17. He's in yeah. the extended bench. Jacob Little's coming off a shoulder injury. Again, he's second at a young age. And Peter Godney's starting. He's not playing the full game. So you wouldn't think I'd so. get the impression that Reynolds will be rotating there. Benji will be coming out providing a bit more stability. And that will be sort of the role he plays. And if they lost an outside back and had a, got really desperate, you could run him at fullback or center or wing. But that would be at an absolute pinch just defensively because you can hide him out wider. But yeah. you'd be assuming he's going to be playing some role in the halves. You'd that, think so. That's basically what you think for the start of the year. And especially if Cleary doesn't have as much confidence in McCurick or Little right now to play minutes. And no offense to Godney again, he's obviously found his way to another club and he's been in and out of a lot of clubs playing nine and in the halves, but I don't see him as a long-term solution or in that 17 for the whole year. Mm. But that's just my Tend opinion. Agree. Uh, Mick Poehner, he had the prediction of best rookie as well. We've already gone over that one, but again, probably Croft if he's eligible or if not Katawa from the Sharks off the top of my head. Daniel Friend, how are you finding the Harold Matz gig? Yeah, loving it. There you go. Love it. Where are, uh, well, the um, the two previous seasons, they haven't won a game. So, well, they haven't, they've won one game in two years, pretty much. So, uh, we're four rounds through and we are, what are we? Two and two. Two, two wins, two losses. Could um, be three and one. We let 18 nil in one of those losses. So, yeah, um, things, are, things are going quite well. We've got Parramatta this week who are going to be super tough. Um, but, you know, we've got 11 kids who are year young. So, they're under 15s playing in an under 16s comp. So, how we're going, um, we're very happy with how we're going. Uh, and, you know, from from this point of view, if you said to me, have we, you know, passed or failed, I think we've overachieved to this point, I would think. Well, so most as long as they keep applying themselves, you know, the, the kids, I mean, the goal is to get them all playing SG ball. So, and I think the majority of these boys will progress on to SG ball. So that's our job. And from my perspective, Brock's obviously been the one coaching the whole way through. I've had a few years off. I'm not going to claim to be a super coach or as anywhere near as smart as in rugby league-wise, but I'm just happy to be back around football. Yeah, uh, I've been commentating and obviously doing the podcast the last few years. It's always nice to do something with my brother, especially we said this a million times, probably not so much on here, but uh, I, we never got to play together because we're four years apart and we're both injured by that point in time. So coaching has been the best way for us as well as this to kind of yeah. talk rugby league or be involved in rugby league. But yeah, that and just being around young blokes that are super keen, it kind of reminds me of why I used to play and uh, I've, I've enjoyed being around it again. Yeah, so, it's been excellent. Great time. Dave McNeil, he's got the rookie question again. So we've answered that one. Luke Green, hey, he says, how does Stephen Kearney still have a job with the Warriors actually be fun to watch this year? Well, if he's got any brain, mate, we talked about this last year. Highest completion rate in the comp, but they had, you know, close to the least amount of offloads. They're one of the worst attacking teams. They look stifled at times, and that style over there, the Warriors, is to push the pass, try and make a dent in your opposition, force some second phase play. Completions mean nothing if you're not willing to do anything with the football. Um, my question is still over the middles, and I think Brock agrees with me there. Not so sure if they can still lay the platform that is required. Is Isaac Luke going to be able to bounce and perk up this year? It is a contract year, so that's generally the time that that seems to happen. Uh, Blake Green will give great stability to Sean Johnson in the halves, but that won't really matter if they can't lay a platform in the middle. Yeah, so, correct. Um, there's a lot of questions to be answered there. But Steve Kearney, this is do or die. He's 
had two of the best apprenticeships he could possibly have and show far, uh, so far he showed absolutely no sign of improvement. So he is if he gets sacked here, that's that's game over. Yeah, That's him assistant for the rest of his time. Or maybe going back to New Zealand because he didn't seem to do too bad of a job there. But I don't understand why he can't translate that to club football. And after you've been coached uh, up by Wayne Bennett and then Craig Bellamy, um, I just don't understand how you can't have a better perspective on football. Yeah, I don't he plays it way too safe and that's his biggest gripe. Uh, Zach Prevera, is Aaron Woods in for a big year at a new club? What's the chance of Josh Chudley getting a run for the Cowboys when he's fit? He was touted for big things before doing his ACL. Well, is Aaron Woods in for a big year at his new club? I think he's going to have to be in for a big year, given the contract that he got. Um, you know, we've said at times on here, we're not his biggest fan. I'm not saying that at NRL, he's not a good front He is a good front row. My gripe is rep football. To me, he's not a rep front row. At the NRL level, yes, he gets through plenty of work. I don't know. Well, It's more for me... The quality of your work over the quantity. People pump up his stats and his numbers. I'm not the biggest fan in that sense. And my biggest gripe is middle defense. I think he's lazy in the middle. He flops in on tackles and he's constantly got his back turned to the ruck. At a rep level, I, I don't see how he plays for Australia, but somehow he does. At club level, he's fine. But if we're talking he's on a contract of close to eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars $900,000, he needs to be the best front row in the competition. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I agree with that. I, I think a change will be good for him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it will be interesting to see how he goes. He's obviously with Clemmer, who he feels yep. super comfortable with. So His best mate or close to. Both play rep football together. Both played for Australia and New South Wales together. So I'll, I'll be watching with interest, put it that way. Yeah, and again, there's no bias here. I'll give him the raps if he deserves them. And uh, I hope he does take a step forward because obviously talk about wanting to win and all this and that. But if anything, he's probably going to a little bit of a better situation. But at the same time, they've got cap issues. And will the Tigers be able to turn things around quick in the Bulldogs? I'm not 100% sure. From a club perspective, they're a much better run club, so they'll probably be able to turn it around quicker. But new coach, new environment, push the wait and see button. Josh Chudley, for most people that don't know out there, he's injured his ACL a couple of times up there. They bought him from Canberra. He was a really good number nine. Really good number nine, struck down by injury. I do think he can play on the bench for the Cowboys. The issue is the utility value they have in Ben Hampton, Tamari Martin, who ended up playing in the grand final, as did Hampton may hold him out of getting that spot to share time with Granville. But if his form is undeniable in the Queensland Cup and his health gets back to where it was, he is an outstanding number nine. And he would have been a starter or pushing close to if he would have stayed healthy two years ago with Granville. I'm not saying he's better than Granville, but after those two injuries, it is a long road back. So have to wait and see on that one. Jordan Ridgewell, thoughts on the rumor Cowboys going to sign Carney for depth? Well, we already spoke about that one. That's, you know, that's a no-brainer. If you can get him on the cheap, I agree with that. Zach Moss, uh, prediction for the most overrated and likely to underachieve. Well, underachieve, I would say the Warriors. Yeah. Are we talking about a player or a team? As a team, I'd say the Warriors. And overrated, you'd probably say Penrith, I'd guess, given people have got them again, uh, betting odds in the top eight or pushing for no, top I four. Think Brisbane, the, Brisbane for Brisbane me. Brisbane overrated? Yeah. Well, we've got the big question mark, obviously, over the halves. We both think they've got two sixes, no seven. Who's going to be controlling the kicking game? Is Boyd healthy enough? He struggled through the preseason still with his hamstring injury. And McCulloch, is McCulloch going to hold up for you? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions over their spine. Uh, and then he's got here, prediction for the best value signing of the 2018 season. I think Hunt will be a, a massive signing for the Dragons. I best think he's value, though, considering the money? Well, if he gets him into the top four, which I think he'll go close to doing, I think he'll prove to be very good value because they've just... Fluffed around the, well, sort of, what, 6 to 10 position for the last few years. So, uh, outside of that... I think Rain, because he's gone up to I, the Gold Coast well, for the Chiefs. I think Tedesco and Cronk, clearly. Like, if they if they get the Roosters a premiership, then they're going to be the best value because the Roosters have fallen short 
probably without a controlling half in the last two years. And since two of us, Sheck has left, they've sort of lost that spark at fullback. So they'd be the best value. Like, I mean, value is what you get on your return. And yeah. the Roosters are trying to win a premiership with those two. So I think anything short of a premiership for the Roosters is going to be bust. If you want to talk about value for money, and again, I'm going into my own backyard and people may get a gripe on this, but Melbourne picked up Cassiano with the Bulldogs paying more than half that contract. <clears throat> so if he's fitting in shape as he looks and they can get the best out of him, for paying a third of his salary. Well, Bellamy was on uh, 360 last night and said that he he's lost a lot of weight, but he hasn't done a lot of work with the team. Mm-hmm. So the concern is that he sort of doesn't know what his role is supposed to be on the field. But they're very happy with with his body shape, obviously. So yeah, uh, yeah. Well, if you can pick, you're up not going to lose. They're not going to lose out on Cassiano, as you said. If they're only paying no. a third of his contract. If you're picking up a contract that someone's given close to five fifty, six hundred thousand dollars, and they're covering four hundred grand. Yeah, and the minimum exactly. wage is about 100, 120 now. You're paying 200k Correct. for a former New Zealand international who's now going to be under a coach that gets the best out of everything. Yeah. If he can be anything close to what we've seen those first few early years with the offloading, the damaging running, and chip into that Melbourne setup with Solomon and Bromwich, he's going to be close to one of the best value buyers. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, can't really think of anyone else right now, but uh, appreciate the questions on Facebook there. But moving over to what we've got on Twitter, and we'll see what we've got. Uh, ben at Skip Hops, can you confirm or deny the rumours the Titans have replaced Dan Sarganside by putting a heavily stained urinal in the centres and burning $500,000? Isn't Sarganson gone? Sarganson's gone, but he's saying they've been replaced by heavily stained urinal. Well, I'll tell the you what, the urinal will play better than Dan Sarganson. Yeah, he was pretty ordinary. There's no doubt about that. Oh, dear God. Matty said, cannot wait to hear the boys in the fifth and po- uh, last podcast tonight. Exciting announcement coming up. Cheers, Matty. Much appreciated. And he is right. We have joined the, T- the, the Pro Sports Syndicate, and we'll talk about that more later on when we get to our betting segment and do our odds and give some more details and insight into that partnership. Jeff at Green Hammock says, what do you think of the Raiders' half switch? And he's obviously referring to the lineup name today. Sam Williams will be starting with Aiden Caesar. You know, my thoughts on Sam Williams, I think Sam Williams is very, very underrated. Very underrated. And you look at what he has done in his time with Canberra when he's filled in or he's been the starter, and I think he's been super impressive. Well, they went to the finals. and yeah. every I, time... I think Blake, uh, Blake Austin's been inconsistent. And I love the fact that Ricky Stewart's gone with Caesar and and Williams, and I think it, it's going to help Aiden Caesar out as well. Well, I think it suits Caesar to a T because they're very similar people and very similar play-wise. They both have good kicking games. In particular, Sam has a very, very good kicking game inside the attacking half, and Aiden Caesar has a very good long kicking game. And I think with Blake there, maybe Caesar's not as dominant a personality, but Blake, I said last year, and it's, it's a hard criticism, but it's a fair one, I think, hasn't developed enough. He's got his running game, but if you're going to become a rep-level player and keep developing, especially when people get film year on year in the NRL, ball playing. He doesn't dig in the line. He doesn't play square. He kind of just goes back to that so tactic. where have they named go. Austin? They just haven't named him at He's all. on the bench. Yeah, so I, I like that. He's I probably like going to come makeup. on, roam, just run, probably play out of nine, switch with Harvey. Yeah, I like that. So it looks like uh, he's going to get first crack. But Sam Williams brings a lot of stability. And let's face it, last year, they couldn't close out games. They lost seven or eight really close ones in the last five minutes. And I said it in our preview, most errors in the last five minutes. Sam brings patience and calm. Caesar's that sort of player as well. And the one thing you know you're going to get is very good kicking games. And it's a left and right foot combination. Yep. So stability to a team that has a lot of looseness in it, especially in the outside backs with players like Leilua, some loose players in the forward pack as well, offload and moving the football around. So hopefully that settles things down and gives them what they need now that Hodgson's not going to be there. Yeah. 
Uh, what do we got here? Brad Crawford. How much pressure do you think Gus Gould will put on Freddie to leave Nathan Cleary out of New South Wales origin for one more year if he starts the season with a great form? I know it's early days, but let's see. Yeah, I, look, if he's if he's the best seven, then Freddie's going to pick him. Simple as that. I don't, Gus Gould, it's irrelevant what Gus Gould thinks. Yeah, he's, he's got his one. own uh, club agenda to push. And Brad Fittler, if he's going to be in there doing the best job for New South Wales, he's going to pick the best seven, regardless of what Gus thinks. Gus, yeah. Gus constantly distances himself from New South Wales, so therefore he shouldn't have an opinion and shouldn't push his opinion. You, you can't you can't push it when it suits and not when other people want your opinion, if that, if that makes sense. I, I'm a bit sick of him jumping in and out of his opinion with New South Wales only when, when it suits well, you know, the agenda at Penrith. We've said this a million times before. You can't be half pregnant. Yeah, He right. gives advice about culture and this, that, and the other and what New South Wales should do, so coach them or stay out of it. Or, yeah. or jump on and be the yeah, advisor, be an advisor or whatever Be yeah. an assistant, do something, and always shooting opinions in but then not delivering. And then, like you said, in this situation, it's very convenient because it's their player, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Halves are something we've been struggling with. Does Pierce get another chance? Everyone out there is going to say no. Yeah, but and he, and he listen, if Nathan Cleary's not playing well enough, then he, he shouldn't pick, pick him. him. Yeah. But if he plays anywhere near to what he did last year, uh, does he deserve to be picked? Yes. He probably does, yeah. And on top of that, out of all the younger players, and everyone said they're going to get burned, I don't think there's ever been a more mature young halfback since I've been alive, and I've been a young person as well. But There's not. There's not a cool, uh, you know, it's it's an old man's head on young shoulders. He, for a bloke who's only 20 years old, he is cool, calm, collected. He's just like his old man. So yeah. I don't think he'd be daunted and I don't think he'd be burned if they'd lost. I don't think it'd ruin him at all if they went in this year and that happened. So yeah. um, if he's good enough... Well, we had this argument before with players like Flower, English and all these guys. If you're good enough, you're old enough. It yeah. doesn't matter. That's right. Age is not a thing. You're playing NRL at that age, so why can't you play rep football if you're the best player? Correct. Uh, regarding, and this is point next to Andrew Pointer, regarding supporting clubs, have you ever had an instance where you seriously considered stop supporting your team? I've been I've seen a lot of Broncos fans having a real issue with Lodge signing, and I'm having similar thoughts as a fan myself. Well, this goes back to what I said earlier. Um, you know, people being very very offended, and I had to think about I have have a think, having a think about this on the Melbourne situation. I know a lot of people that were probably bothered when the salary cap issue happened, hmm. um, and are you hurt by it? And is that enough to throw you off at the club? I I didn't re- react that way. It's more disappointment and you're heartbroken when you realise that all that stuff wasn't real, but. Um, in, in saying that, I, I didn't think for a second about, you know. What do you mean it wasn't real? No, you just, you hope it's not real. Like, it's just something you look at and you yeah. go, oh my God, like, is this, I've just turned on the TV and this has been stripped, that's been stripped, they've been doing this for the last four yeah, years. And then you and want to like, comp frigging two years later. Yeah, so. God, but uh, with Craig Bell, I mean, a lot of those guys are stuck around and, you know, I think the week later made me feel a lot better. I think we played the New Zealand Warriors the first time after we got stripped of the points and they towed them up by 40 something that yeah. things would turn around. Bellamy's good enough to lead that side. The next year they played. Under the salary cap, because uh, they had to clean those players out. They won the minor premiership, fell short, and then a year later than that, with players like Jamin Lowe, etc., off the bench for GFAO, so they still won the comp. So yeah. um, I had complete faith, and it had more to do with the coach, the club itself, the way it was heading. And then they obviously got rid of a couple of blokes who are at the real forefront of doing things in Brian Wardron and Peter O'Sullivan, etc. So uh, I didn't consider jumping off, but that's probably the biggest moment in my club where you feel a little bit hurt. But um, Brock, Titans. You ever considered jumping no, off board or not following your club? You've probably had a lot more frustration than I have. Yeah, no. you got to write it out. Yep. you got to write it out. So. But, yeah, definitely. Well, I, yeah, I used to support the Roosters. Well, I, I love Brad Fittler, as you know. So I yeah. sort of followed him when I was a kid from Penrith to the Roosters. And then when he retired, I sort of didn't go for anyone for a couple of years. And then when the Titans came in, I 
loved uh, Scotty Prince, so it just seemed the right fit, and yeah, I've supported him ever since. So I, I don't really have a reason to jump off. Well, clearly, like I said, but before, as a coach, it's different as well because you're, you know, you're employed by someone, you can get sacked by someone. So yeah, you, it's it's different. You just want to see players from different clubs do well. You, we, you, well, you and I probably know through your experience in footy, my experience in footy, and then coaching, you, we probably know one player from every club that we want to see do well yeah. that we'd be happy for. So from that perspective, you don't really death ride anyone. No. You want to see everyone that we've got an affiliation with at some stage in your career, whether it's coaching or playing, do well. Yeah, well, But, yeah, you, I, I follow the Titans, but like probably, not as, probably not as radically as I do. I follow the Falcons a lot harder than I do any other team. Yeah, well, like you said, you see ex-Dummies boys or guys you've played with yeah. or whatever connections. So, you know, for example... This week, an ex-teammate, or I saw an engagement on the weekend, Mark Nichols. He's been reserve grade at Melbourne in a few clubs the last few years. He's getting a chance to start front row for South Sydney this week. So yeah. looking at that, I hope they can do well. And I hope he does well and holds on to that spot. Um, you know, last year, Jared Kennedy obviously been at Manly. Being a Melbourne fan, Manly's obviously not my most favourite club. But if he was getting a game, like you look at that with interest and you want him to do well. Vaughn Dragons, etc. exactly like you're saying. We never death ride anyone, but you, you just, yeah, go along with the flow. But... Never decided getting off my club or stop supporting my team, but said it before and I'll say it again. This is obviously a big moral issue for a lot of Broncos fans with what they've seen in the video. So. Why? Why? Oh, people, you know, they're offended by it. They don't want him playing for their club. Um, you know, I, I don't think that you could, you should punish the other players that are there. Like it's in the end, it's not a player issue. Mm. That you, in the end, you support the players, don't you? Like, I mean, you support the club logo. But you support it because of the team, and it wasn't the team's decision. Well, I the guess players they feel this is against the fibre of the club, though, and the way the club has been to bring in somebody like this. So, you know, I think that might be. I more mean, Darius Boyd, you know, isn't a clean skin either, really. Like, I, I, like I, if you, I wouldn't, wouldn't even compare those two. In no, I know that, but I mean, he's not. He's not going to be the first player that's played for the Broncos that's done something wrong, I guess. But what's, I, what's I, Boyd I, done wrong? Well, didn't he cheat on his partner and do all sorts of stuff like that? Not that I know. I, yeah, I, I can't remember. He admitted, admitted cheating on his partner. I think last year. So yeah, oh, but I'm, I'm not saying I'm not comparing them. Don't get me wrong. Like no, I don't want so. people to hammer me for comparing them. But I mean, he's he's not going to be the first. And he's not going to be the last player to have done something wrong. Well, across I, the I also think I also think the if you're a Broncos fan, and you're not happy with this. Vent your frustration at the Bron- uh, at the NRL. I know the Broncos have said that they want to sign him, but the NRL's got to register it. Yeah, and they did. So I think it. from a from a game whole of game perspective, take your fandom out of it. You know, me as a Titans fan, you as a Storm fan, Broncos fans. I think we all agree that it's the wrong thing. We, regardless of what club he plays for, blokes that have done this sort of thing should just be punted. But my issue also is that, um, well, the, the issue is that you sort of you let him back in. Yeah. I, and I don't know. Again, like you said, it's like throwing things at a dartboard. Though Todd Carney's done some things, but they're more personal. Dis, dishonor or personal disgrace to himself. He hasn't really harmed anyone. He hasn't really done anything major. But people are like, oh, we don't even associate with the club. But it's like, okay, but but all, you, yeah. but you're going to bring somebody in who's, you know, assaulted people, breaking and entering, fearing, uh, you know, a, a lady with her child locked in the bathroom. You're like, you know, yeah, you, it's, it's not so much letting, yeah, like letting him back in. It's got, more the timing of it as well. Like, why are we, why are we all jumping up and down about this now? We should yeah. have been jumping up and down about this when they signed him. Like. He was at the Broncos all of last year playing lower grades when the NRL wouldn't register his contract. And it's obvious that behind the scenes, the Broncos have been doing some shady work and trying to get him registered. So, well, they do what they have and to there's, do there's, to meet standards of counselling. But he hasn't been counselled. It came out yesterday that he hadn't been counselled. He yeah, actually well. said in an interview with Yvonne Sampson that he hadn't been counselled. So 
I think it's more an issue from an from an NRL perspective. Like, and I'll go back to my original point. Like, I could go through and throw darts at all different players. Like, if we want to get on our high horse and jump up and down about you know players doing the right or wrong things from a moral perspective, like. Um, obviously not not to the same degree, but for me, the NRL is the person that oversees all of that, and they're the ones that should determine what is accepted and what isn't. And you know, if people are jumping up and down and saying that he shouldn't be back in the game, I tend to agree. But I, I don't know whether it's the Broncos' fault. Like the Broncos have a responsibility to their fans to get the best players in. Is Blodge a very good player? Yes. Mm. Has he done the wrong thing? Yes. Whose responsibility is it to uphold and ensure that the game has integrity? It's the NRL. Yeah, and they register the contract. Yeah. So. Yep. I'm with you there. Uh, the Ebenezer Rascals is adding on to the point before about Carney there. Uh, you know, what is him playing in the halves or other potential positions, speculative, etc. He's asking, what does this signing mean for someone like Tamari Martin? Well, for me, it doesn't mean a whole lot because Tamari Martin played in the grand final last year. He's a young player. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Thurston is supposed to be retiring into this year, and you'd think that will be the case, even though there's been murmurs now that he might backflip on that, and he might play for Queensland this year. Mm. Uh, I don't know if either of those things are true. I hope not from a New South Wales perspective, but also for a Cowboys perspective. If this is his last year, I just want him to play club football. Um, but for tomorrow, Martin, I don't think it's a big deal. Carney's 31, 32 years old as well. At best, he lasts another season, and with what Martin's done at a young age, I think he'd be the next man up, probably to play in the halves for the Cowboys. So, um, they've also got another guy there, Jake Clifford, who won the under-20s player of the year last year. So I think someone like that who's got more of a long-term future would be a bigger concern if he's going to be around for more years to come. But mm. I think Carney's just a depth signing if they got really desperate yeah, agree. at this point in time. So. Good backup to have. Yeah, and Sam Taylor said that there. Does the Cowboys move for Carney make sense to you guys? And We've just said before, similar deal. Uh, regardless of the fact he's only ever played in the halves, you've got to remember he also played fullback, but it's just a great depth signing for no money. Like People like this, like Trent Hodkins to go on the Sharks, people could say, oh, why would you want to pick him up? If Newcastle was paying, again, three quarters of his contract, you're picking up someone who is a lot better than just NRL standard as a depth player to play New South Wales Cup for her. They're yeah. no brainers for clubs to make these kind of moves. Agree. Yep. Uh, Liam at Fatales SG. Farah going to the dogs? Question mark. Well, no idea how they're going to fit him in when they've already had cap issues trying to juggle players and squeeze players in and murmurs that they're trying to offload uh, Aiden Tolman and no one's really interested to come to the party there. But Farah's contract at the Rabbitohs is reported to be close to $600,000. They've got Michael Leisha. They've got Jeremy Marshall King over in on the cheap. They got Zach Wolford over last year. You know, I, I can't see him trying to pick up Robbie Farrow. That's that's a bit random. But if they did, it, South would want to be paying a fair bit of the money. That's the only way I could see that happening. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, we'll have to see what comes of that kind of rumour. Uh, David Haylett says, UK AFL Geelong's, Geelong Cat uh, fan, don't laugh, recently got into the NRL since UK rugby is too expensive to watch. Would love, in a nutshell, a rundown on the teams if possible. My favourites are Melbourne, Manly, Penrith, and the Warriors. We'll have a listen to the preview pod. If you listen to the preview pod, you'll get a massive rundown. You'll get the rundown on every single one of those teams. But if I was going to be giving you a nudge, you'd be in the direction of the Melbourne Storm. Mm, Of course. Uh, Joey, Dragons man forever. Hey, lads, as coaches, what would your bench look like in regards to the last spot? Do you go with a utility forward, utility back, or a hooker? Then uh, that can play at lock. Who would play the last spot if you're picking the Dragons team? I reckon someone like Reese Robson could be a weapon, and he's obviously uh, a bench nine. Well, it depends again. Make up of the yeah. team, what you've got in your roster, what's in your 25. From the perspective of the NRL, generally you've got four middles, um, and definitely you want to have two middles on the bench. 
if I was gonna if I had a, a nine like Cameron Smith, I wouldn't carry a nine. Mm. If I'm a team like Souths who have got the situation they're in right now with Cook and Farrah, do I possibly carry an extra nine for a point of difference? Maybe. And then that last spot, I'm looking for someone who can probably play back row, center, someone that can kind of go between plan and edge, but they can play in the middle if you want them to. So probably two middles, someone who's versatile enough to play edge and tight, and then someone there who could probably cover nine and the halves. But if I had a side that had Cameron Smith, I'd be loading up on forwards on the bench like they have. Cassiano, uh, Welch, and you got guys like Nelson or Solomon, you just go heavy set basically, because you know you can rely on those guys to cover those roles. And you've got a bloke like Brandon Smith, like they had last year in Slade Griffin, who plays 13 slash 9. So different ways depending on the way you make up your side. Sam Taylor, would Brock be happy with the speculated move of Lachlan Coote to the Titans? Oh, I'm pretty happy with Michael Gordon, to be fair. And I'd like to see us get someone younger in. It's a little bit strange in the fact that they let Ponga go and now they're going to let Coote go. Ponga? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, North Ponga Queens from the Cowboys. Cowboys. Now, well, they, they sort of signed... Coot thinking that he was going to be a long-term fullback at the Cowboys. Yeah, well, I think the big deal here again was money. Last time he took less money to stay on board when the Roosters and a few others chipped in. Uh, pretty decent offers. And then I think in this sense, again, he's maybe looking at that situation thinking that it's time to get paid or try and get a contract similar to a Tyrone Peachy a year earlier and move on from his deal. Maybe the Gold Coast are fishing around. Do the Cowboys let him go? Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. Is there someone on the market they'd be interested in getting this year that they can bring in? Uh, off the top of my head right now, I'd have to look up who's off contract this year. But it seems a, a bit of a weird move from both ends. But for now, um, I guess the main point is, would you be happy if you went there? No. No? You wouldn't want to pay big money for no. Lachlan Coote? No. If you had to pay, say, $700,000, seven dollars no. no way. Not with his injury history, even no, though he's was... been all right? No. I think he looks very good around Morgan and Thurston, but I think most fullbacks would. Well, I think, again, moving into your and team. And there's holes in his game. A building team, a bloke with an injury history. He's been okay the last couple of years. He's still had some niggles, and he's going to miss round one. Mm. So um, I think, yeah, more off injury history and, like you said, the quality of players around him. It's a completely different situation. Yeah. Uh, it'd have to be all about price tag. But if we're talking $700,000 around that kind of range for a top-flight fullback, I don't think I'd want to pay that kind of money either. So I'm probably with you there. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Friend says, what about Lewis getting a shout-out on the rush hour last night? Well, I'm assuming... Probably because of Vaughn, was it? Because I haven't... Uh, well, I didn't listen to it because I was at work, but I'm assuming because Vaughn was on there, I might have got some kind of shout-out there, so much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. And to uh, good old MG out there, but having a look through anyone else here. Craig Norenberg's. I have green in my fantasy team. Oh, sorry, that's not another one. Brock has lost the plot. There you go. Manly, Manly last. Jeebus. That's from Adrian. I can't even say last. Adrian, pull your head in. Mirrors the Juice King. <laughs> Sorry, Chapion. Brock has lost the plot. Manly last. Jeebus. They won't win six and a half. Hey, hang on a minute. This is the bloke. Uh, Can I have some money? You're talking about the bloke who tipped uh, I tipped the grand final last year. 35 to 1. So I reckon I've got some runs on the board more than you, Adrian. Put, put your manners back in. Boom. <laughs> Eric, bit of tongue in cheek. Eric Growth. Eric Growth, what does he want? He's not happy because he... I'm tagged in this ongoing, ongoing combo. combo. I tagged him in the uh, post for the first podcast. So obviously people have written on it or asked questions on it and he uh, keeps Eric. getting notifications. He's a winger. See, they whinge about everything. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. Uh, Sorry about come that. Come on, mate. mate. Uh, the Batman, he's one. This is what he's complaining about here. This is not for the questions, but he was questioning or highly amused that we both think that Green is such a high-quality player and he thinks DCE and Manly are going to be fine without him. Uh, he's on drugs. So there you go. 
Any more questions? No. I go back up the top here. Just a couple of more likes. Well, there you go. Questions done, mate. Questions done. It only took us 50 hours. Well, they're going to be more streamlined. That's as the last thing. time we're going to go through all of them. So next week, make sure you look at the post. Make sure you're not repeating questions. And we're probably going to pick the best 10. Oh, I think we can probably do more than 10. But 10, yeah, right. Well, it'll be something around be, that. It's not going to be 50 not like we're doing every week. 50 every single week because no. a lot of the time, as has been said, there's a lot of repeats. And they're going to be pertinent and they're not going to be, we're not going to be repeating things. And we're not going to be naming teams and big lists and things like that because we read them when we're sitting here. We're not... Yeah, this is off the top of the head. Yeah. Uh, we've got two last ones, all right? Two last oh, ones. Oh, here That's we go. It. Sean Jesus. Field, thoughts on Williams over Austin. We've already explained that one. And Richie Doyle, this is probably more relevant. Will Broncos stick with their halves all season? Well, who else they got? Well, they brought up Dargan, who played under twenties Kangaroos and played New South Wales Cup last year. So the he's only, a good player. The only other option is if Dargan comes in, and he's more of a genuine seven. Well, if they're playing well, they will. If they're not, they won't. Yeah, that's probably the only other real option you've got there is him. Or would they ever consider the move of Darius Boyd from fullback into the halves and Milford back they? to fullback? Because no. I still think he's probably better at fullback. But Boyd's not a six. Well, he basically plays like a six out the back. I don't. As, really, well, most fullbacks do. I don't really like his kick returns. I don't think he's the most physical kick returner but I don't think you strengthen you weaken one to strengthen another I still think ball playing is the best part of his game and the kilometres at, at the back are clearly taking a toll on him he's already got hamstring problems so that would be the move that I'd be looking at making but could Dargan come in and play in the half straight away I don't know it might take some time and development but it is a big step up from 20s to cup to the NRL but if anyone could make a move like that or in a system it would be Wayne Bennett but uh, that's about the only other option off the top of my head I can think of who could play in the halves right now for him so they're probably going to have to stick with what they've got. But there you go. All the fan questions wrapped up. Now we are going to preview the matches from round one, give our thoughts on that, and obviously we'll give uh, the tips from round one from ourselves and also Mr. Gossip, who, like we said before, we've got his gossip that we'll go through also, and he'll be on a bit more sporadically this year just because of some work commitments, Boxhead, but we'll have the great man on every couple of weeks for a yeah. bit of a chinwag. So, yeah, sounds uh, good. He's still in on the tips, and he gave us... His season predictions, which we'll go through at the end, as well as ours again for anyone out there who hasn't listened to the preview pod. Um, but looking at the games from week one, Brock, uh, the Broncos, uh, the Friday, no, sorry, the Thursday night game, kicking things off with the Dragons at Oakey Jubilee Stadium. Is there any thoughts you have in particular on this one? I like the Dragons. You do Put like that the way. Dragons. Yeah, I like the Dragons. I think uh, their trial form was good. They had a narrow loss to who was in uh, the South, who I thought were really, really good. They were good against Hull, I thought. Uh, two games which were on TV, there was a little bit more pressure. I think they were more NRL-like games, if that makes sense. I don't think they were full-blown trials. They were more, you know, they are on TV, they carried a bit of pressure. The result, I mean, wasn't, you know, all in in terms of the result, but I just think those games had a little bit more in them in terms of wanting to win and wanting to perform at a higher level because obviously you're on TV, etc. Uh, Brisbane, I'm not sold on Brisbane. I like the fact that St. George are at home. You know, it's raining here now. I think it's scheduled to rain in Sydney for the next few days. So I also Mm -hmm. like St. George in those types of conditions. I think they've got better halves, probably a stronger forward pack, and I'll lean towards them with the home field advantage. Yeah, I'm looking at the lineup for that one. They've pretty much gone how to expect. Dufty is getting that fullback jersey. The halves look very, very good with Hunt. We've got back line, no surprises. Aiken, Lafayette, Nightingale, etc. Vaughan. Graham in the pack with back rows, very solid development. My only issue 
the bench, and it's not a massive issue, but just what they get out of it this year. It's obviously different now with Packer gone, Thompson gone, etc. So Luciano, Leilua, Kurtman, Armour, Sele, those last two likely to play the middle position. Leilua between that and the edge and man's more utility type player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Broncos, like I said, where do I start? There's a couple of question marks. I've got Darius Boyd's hamstring, didn't finish last year, didn't go on the Aussie tour, still struggling. The halves, Milford. Nikarima, it worked in patches, but neither of them to me is a seven. They don't have the kicking game. Uh, can they develop that throughout the year? I guess they can, but who's going to take the lead? I think Milford's better when someone else is controlling the show and he can just float off the cuff and kind of plays what he sees in front of him. Andrew McCulloch coming off a couple of ACLs myself. It's very hard to come back round one, play 80 minutes. So why he's named to start there, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play a full game or someone had to go in there. But looking at the bench... None of those guys in the bench will be playing there. And the talk was Thide might plug the gap for a little bit like he did previously. And he's been named in the front row, which was my other question in our season preview. Matt Lodge and Thide as the starting front row pairing. Is Lodge going to go every game all year? Is Thide going to live up to that beating, being a middle for the whole year? Offer Hengawi, Tevita Pangai Jr., Jaden Sewer, Corbin Sims. You know, Sewer's been playing more back row in his juniors, under 20s, etc., and all that kind of stuff. Is he going to develop into a middle? He seems going to be better this year. Last year was a bit 50-50. Off a hand going. Corbin was better towards the end of the year, I thought. Yeah. Off a, oh, he broke his arm and didn't end up finishing the season. But between off a hand going and Tavita Pangai, I do like them all, but they're all more impact players. Like uh, Just for the whole year yeah. out of those four front rows, I'm not 100% certain. So like you, I'd probably be more leaning towards the Dragons in that one. Um, but yeah, I think the Dragons, it, it'll take a little bit of time maybe to get a bit of cohesiveness between those halves, but mm-hmm. have to wait and see. But... Yeah, looking at the next game, you've got the Knights versus the Seagulls. Looking at this one here, Newcastle at home there on Friday. Ah, man, I'm I'm not 50-50. It's just I think there's going to be a lot of excitement, a lot of hype. I think it's going to take some time for everything to settle in, especially when you have a completely brand new spine. You've got Callum Ponga, Connor Watson, Mitchell Pearce, and Slade Griffin, all good players in their own right. But I think there's a lot of responsibility on Mitchell Pearce to kind of be the guiding light, steer this team around kick the ball. I'm surprised that Watson's getting the start over Lamb, who's been named on the bench. I thought Lamb did enough last year to look like he'd get first crack at partnering, whether that's something that him and Brown have talked about and because he played with the Roosters. Um, Ponger at the back, no doubt, is going to be an outstanding player, but he's still very, very young. And Slade Griffin from Melbourne, he'll start things off Barry Basics, do his job, and that'll lead into, I thought, a player like Danny Levi getting that position to start, but he's been named in an extended bench, so... I'm interested to see how they plan on playing things there. Maybe Jamie Bureau, who's a captain off the bench, plays a bit of nine, which he has done in the past. But looking at Manly, probably a little more settled as far as combinations and familiarity. The only real big difference here, I guess, is Lachlan Croker coming in at six, which we've got some question marks on without Green controlling things for those other key players. And Joel Thompson is a decent in in the back row. But uh, in this one, who would you be leaning towards? Newcastle. You yeah, like I like Newcastle. I think at home, uh, they've got a lot of momentum coming out of an op- the off-season. I think the Seagulls are going to struggle, as I've said previously, without a recognised 5'8". And that's about the size of it for me. I, I think Newcastle, they play Parramatta in their trial, uh, their final trial. And Parramatta, well, they didn't give them a touch-up, but they comfortably... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We beat them. I just like Newcastle. I like the vibes coming out of there. I like what they've done in the last few years. Do I think they're going to make the eight? No, but I don't think Manly are either. So uh, I think they'll get the season off on the on the right foot and, you know, excitement will build in the Hunter. Yeah, I, I do hope so. And that's kind of what I'm looking at here, more the fact they are at home and things are heading that way. Uh, the other Friday night game is obviously the Cowboys against the Sharks up there. I, we got a message just before, someone saying the weather up there is really bad and there's talk they might have to move the game. Where? Up at North Queensland, wow. I, I have no idea. I, I didn't really read it too uh, too much in detail. But someone sent us a message saying the rain was up there was pretty bad and things might need to be altered. If you're from up that way, or listen to the show when you do hear this. Feel free to send us an inbox. I'm not sure if that is the case or not. But uh, Ben Hampton's obviously going to be playing fullback. It was announced today that Lachlan Coote would be out, and obviously from that testimonial game, uh, who was it? I'm trying to think off the top of my head now. Bloody Kane Lynette tore his pet, yeah. so he's going to be out for a little bit. So. Back line looks a little different. O'Neill, Jarvid Bowen, who I've said before, I think he's a quality player. He comes into that back line to fill that spot. Hampton at fullback. But that forward pack, those pair of halves, absolutely outstanding. The bench with Hess, Bolton, Asiata. Martin can play that utility role as he's been known to play there. They're very, very strong. I reckon this will be probably the closest game of the round, Mm. if not close to. I'd be still leaning towards the Cowboys even without Coot. Same, yeah. And that's mainly for the fact, again, looking at all these I, sides. I don't like Moylan at six, so... I don't mind it considering the team he's in, but I still think Holmes, him, Townsend, Braley, there's a bit to work with there, and there's a lot more people uh, you know, that need to get their hands on the football. Dugan playing in the centres instead of fullback. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going the Shark. Uh, sorry, I'm going the Cowboys. Up there, um, the Sharks, are, I'm going to hit the wait and see button on the Sharks. I think they're a top eight side, but... How good they are, I want to have a look at their halves and their hooker. Yeah, well, you know Townsend's going to steer things around and probably get the kicking game right. Can Moylan add a little bit from six along with Valentine Holmes, who last year, you know, he didn't have the best year as far as ball playing or being that creative player like a Ben Barber did. And Jaden Braley, I didn't mind, but smaller physically. Seguiara, we thought would add something from the bench. And uh, when he did come in, he, he did some okay things, but not 100% certain of him or the bench just yet with... Arva, Simon Afanai and Catewell and that. They're all solid players, but I think it'll take a few weeks for them to gel. But on to the next game, and that would be between the Tigers and the Roosters. This one, uh, a bit of an awkward one when you look at the team list here today. Lola here in the trials wasn't playing at fullback. Corey Thompson had first crack there, but now looking, uh, he's found his way into the number one jersey. But a couple of guys missing from the sign. Uh, new signings, Chris McQueen, who I thought might have not recovered from a neck injury, but he's been named to play New South Wales Cup and David Nofaluma, also not in the first 17. So I don't know whether Whew. something's happened off the field that we don't know about. I'd maybe suspect that might be the case, seeing as though he's one of their best players. But he's also not in the lineup. And Matt McCurick uh, is also not the starting hooker or the bench hooker. He's also on the extended bench. So um, Ivan Cleary, as we know, uh, is there a story behind that? I'm not 100% sure. But he's not afraid to send a message, that's for sure. He holds a high standard. And that was shown when he let Moses Suley go, followed by people going, oh, what an idiot. The dogs were keeping me. And sure enough, guess what the dogs did? They let him go too. So uh, Ivan Cleary, high standards there. But looking at this side, got an A playing at nine. Robbie Rocco getting a run in the back row. I'm sure they've done the right thing in the offseason. The bench, Marshall, Twole, Cheekham, Eisenhuth, etc. Uh, I must admit, they're going to be a well-coached side, as they were last year. They gave their all every week. But there's a good reason I put them as my wooden spooner. 
Um, I just don't think they have the depth in their side or the quality to kind of punch with some of those top sides, and I think they're going to struggle to get themselves out of the bottom four. I don't know whether they will get the spoon, and the big reason for that will be Ivan Cleary, but look at this side compared to their opposition and the Roosters. You've got Tedesco, Ferguson, Manu, Mitchell, uh, Daniel Tupo. Cornish is playing in the halves, but by all reports, Luke Cleary will be a late inclusion, and he is on that extended bench, so you'd expect those guys to be there. Ree Hargraves with Tokiaho, Napa. Coming off uh, the bench is the front row. Friend, Cordner, Orbison, Liu, uh, Tedavano, Madison, Radley. It's a very good one to 17. And I'd hate to say it for any Tigers fans out there, but if there's going to be a blowout in round one, this is the game I'm looking at. Mm. Oh, I think the Roosters will win. Yeah. <clears throat> the Roosters will win. Um, it's very, very hard to make a case for the West Tigers winning this game, but it is round one. So for me, like if you want to play the Roosters, I'd, I'd much rather than play them early in the year than later in the year because I expect the Roosters to get better in their combinations as the year goes on. So from that perspective, if the Tigers can come out, you know, it's an old cliche, I guess, and hold the ball and complete their sets, they'll they'll be competitive just in the fact that I think the Roosters won't be as cohesive as they may be in a few rounds' time. Yeah, well, the highlight of their side for me is looking at the new halves pairing of Reynolds and Luke Brooks, looking forward to watching how those two work together, and then the new front row pairing of Russell Packer and Ben Madalena. And interesting, like you say, that Gordonay is at nine. Yeah, well, McKeurick not there, Little not well, there. Well, McKeurick's still, he's still eligible to be, to be picked. Yeah. He's 18th, he's in their 21 or whatever they, they've got a name. So but Whether this is to do with pre-season, uh, you know, other people's efforts or just little bits and pieces, I highly doubt his is due to pre-season because let me tell you, it was one of the best trainers we had at Canberra. So maybe he just likes what he's seen from God know. I'm not 100% yeah. sure at this yeah. point in time or he might have had a minor injury. But uh, that's what I'm looking at and I kind of think the Roosters, <laughs> much like you, have some combinations that'll be worked out, particularly with having you know a couple of new players in your spine. Uh, the centre pairing, he looks like he's finally going to trust in Manu and Latrell Mitchell. They had their issues last year, but with the preseason, you think they'd be better defensively in the centres because obviously last year they finished with two back rowers playing out there. Well, they did, yeah, to cover exactly up for right. it. So a uh, good coach like Trent Robinson, you'd sure would address an issue like that. Uh, Souths versus the Warriors at Perth. Look at this one. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> Big fan of the Rabbits as far as looking at their edges. You've got the possibility of having Johnston playing at the back with a fresh set of legs with great instincts pushing through the middle. The halves of Walker and Reynolds dictating the two edges with Inglis and Gagai, Crichton and Sutton. But I also think Burgess will get some shape on those edges as well. But my big question is, can Thomas Burgess, George Burgess, Mark Nichols and Tavita Totola, who's a young former junior kangaroo who's come from the Tigers, only 21-22, lay enough of a platform because everything, as we know, starts in the middle. Mm. And if you can't get a roll in the middle, which they struggled with last year, you can't get to your edge weapons and your halves need time and space. So I think this is one of those sides, and we've both said this, looking at it, that can make the eight and really rattle some teams, but I just still question whether the Twins uh, and, you know, Nichols is a consistent, solid player, but not really a dominant middle, can do enough of a job to hold that middle or uh, do enough damage. And that's obviously been shown a little bit here by Seabold by keeping Burgess playing in the middle at 13, I guess, to try and help those guys out. Yeah, so. that's fair. It's fair. Absolutely fair. All right. Look, I like South. I was, again, like I said about the Dragons, I was really impressed with their trial form. You know, you can take that form and throw it out the window this time next week, but that's all we've got to go off. I really like the way that they've been coached. I like the structures that they sort of demonstrated in their trials. Whether they can do that against a really... Um, you know, dangerous Warriors side. I think we could call them dangerous. I think Green's going to add a an element of control to the Warriors, which we haven't probably seen for a long time, probably since James Maloney was there steering the ship around to partner with Sean Johnson. Well, that um, was our reference in our preseason thing. It's probably the first half he's had that's able to take some pressure off, dictate, direct things, kick, 
and just let him yeah, probably play eyes up, much like Cherry Evans got to. With people Green. are going to say, oh, well, Corey, uh, sorry, Kieran Foran, but Kieran Foran was out for most of last year. So, yeah, and, and he certainly wasn't there for a long period of time, not enough to really leave not, a legacy at the Warriors. Not full health either, still. He's no, still a but busted but I, The one for me is Isaac Luke. I, he's been... Hasn't been terrible, but he's definitely been well below par since he's moved to the Warriors. So, for me, if he can... And I guess, like, it comes back to their front rowers, doesn't it? Their middle forwards. If they can go forward and create some momentum, then Isaac Luke will roll forward and he'll get out of nine and he'll create some issues. But for me, he just lacks that zip. He doesn't look as, I guess, conditioned as he, he was when he was at South. And doesn't look as motivated. I don't know if it was the payday and, and well. moving over there, but it just seems a comfort thing. But it is a contract year. Uh, you'd once would have said he was the next best hooker, probably second or third fighting with Robbie Farah for that second spot compared to Cameron Smith. But and they've both sort of fallen by the wayside, haven't they, apart from Smith? Previous, uh, the past couple of years, it seems as though Farah's is more father time. Luke's just seems to be a lack of motivation and shape, but look at their side. And it, well, it looks like he's going to leave Farah out, which is good. I like that. Like, a, just go with one hooker. I don't mind whether he plays Farah or whether he plays Cook. I'm, I'm not fussed. I, I just think I'd that, play Cook for the fact yeah, that those middles I, and need I agree. someone to get them over the advantage I agree. Line. My point is, is that I just I like the fact he's gone with one hooker. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, that's Cook's a smart idea some spark. It's, it's a big thing for Mark Nichols to um, debut in the front. Well, not debut in the front well, row, but start the season off in the front row. That's his jersey to lose now. Melbourne system player, <laughs> Seabold from Melbourne. Very reliable guy in our 20s team. Again, one of these guys, very reliable, does his job, so... Clearly filling their top 30 spots. Seabold got a few guys that were ex-Melbourne type players. Obviously knows that they're drilled in the basics and all the things he's probably looking yeah. for just to do their job for the time being. And someone who would understand his terminology and the style that he sort of wants to play. So from that perspective, he he's going to slot in. Yep. If we're talking about a potential rookie of the year, I'd say Adam Dewey. If, um, gets a run, yeah. If he gets halves. a run. If if Reynolds gets injured, which we know he's quite prone to do, yep. If uh, that, how do you say it? Dewey? Adam Doohy, I think, Doohy. It is, or Dehy. If uh, Doohy gets a run, he looked really good in the trial. And again, it's only trial form, but yeah. he has the potential. I think Souser got a really good side around, and he looked really good in Mudgee against the Dragons. And so let me tell he you, might be a bit of a dark horse. He has grown because I watched him play Cup last year, and there was wraps on him. He was playing like centers and bench utility, and he was eighteen, but he wasn't that tall in that trial. He is stretched out to six two or his so. Style. Like well, he, he was physical. He was willing to run. Mm. Uh, some of the bombs were very, very good. Even some of his short kicks, he he put a little too much on them, but some of them were very, very good. So for someone his age, he's got a big future. I've and seen much uh, much worse performances, that's for sure. If Reynolds' durability stays under question the next few years, he could easily be pushed out. And, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's reasonable by a club when you're paying big money for someone who can't stay on the field. The to, best ability is availability, so, my friend. Exactly. But on the Warriors side of things, good spine, back line, big fan of, especially Fussy Tour. Really big fan, but the question again, Adam Blair, can he do a job? Tohu Harris, is he going to be the same player on an edge in a team that doesn't have all the functioning parts like Melbourne did? And funnily enough, it is a bit of a different looking side. Sam Cook, a young guy who's been very handy in New South Wales Cup, bit of a utility. He gets a bench spot now that Nathaniel Roach is out. Pulu, Bantiafoa, Sam Lasone, still a fairly young kind of side. Liggy Sow gets to start at lock because Mannering is out, and that's a big thing for me. Along with Hoffman, they're kind of two of the guys that were really reliable, the heartbeat of that side. I'm going to find it hard with no mannering for the Warriors, probably in no, those I, forwards. And particularly early in the season. They're, they're noted slow starters, the Warriors. Yeah. So I'm yeah, very confidently going to tip South Sydney in this game. The other big one here is Isaiah Papali is the young 18-year-old New Zealand powerlifting champion who debuted last year. Only saw a few games after that. Still very raw, but... He's starting in the back row, so I can only assume that he's had a massive off-season or they're very happy with him to be that confident to give him a start in the back row. 
let alone bringing him back into first grade at only age 20. So mm. uh, a bit random. Well, good on him. I hope he goes well. So yeah, do I. Dogs in the Storm. This one, quite interesting now that Billy Slater has been ruled out. So for Melbourne, Munster moved back to fullback. The back line, as you'd expect. But Riley Jacks, partner's Brody Croft. But this doesn't really bother me. And I think anyone that watched Riley Jacks last year, he done more than a serviceable job. He's a good footballer. Croft will have the reliability around him of Kevin Smith still being there. Munster's sole at the back. You know what you're going to get from the back line. <laughs> uh, Sam Cassiano's on the extended bench. So whether he's... Injury is good to go or not. I still think there's plenty there. Solomon are starting with Bromwich, Hoffman, Kafusi, Fanukin. Melbourne, uh, I'm probably more reliable on in this situation, purely for the fact of the combinations, their system, the way things are early in the season, they generally tick over. The Bulldogs, a lot of new working parts in by playing at fullback. Frawley partnering for I'm not sure how that's going to go. Leisha now that he's going to be freed up and you've got Woods, Clemmer, etc. in that forward pack. It's not a bad one. Fualo getting a start, but looking at the bench... Greg Eastwood's a bit too slow for me. Aiden Tolman, again, not much impact. Adam Elliott's there and Jeremy Marshall-King. I don't really like their bench, so I'd be, uh, you know, I don't really have a lot of reliability in the Bulldogs these first few weeks, to be honest. No, I'm going to go with what I know, and I know that Melbourne are going to be very polished, and despite the, the loss of Billy Slater, I expect them to win. I'm very, very interested to watch the Bulldogs, though. Yeah. Really <clears> interested <throat> to see what's changed and, uh, you know, whether they can I guess give some offensive flair. I'll be very interested to watch their attack in particular and all the new recruits. It's going to take time, I think, as a Bulldogs fan, probably for them to gel. Yep. And that's probably the reason I've left them out of my eight for the fact that I think come the end of the year, I think they probably will be a top eight quality side, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time for them to gel. And I've just got concerns around the fitness of Kieran Forum. Well, I think, again, they've also got a few guys coming to the end of their contracts that they'd really like to move. So Eastwood at the end of this year, I think both the Morrises or at least one of Brett will probably be out of the club. Tolman, they're trying to offload that contract. It's a bit similar to when Des left Manly. There's a few contracts there they just don't want. Yeah. And uh, obviously we knew they were in the cap pressure already. So I think this year will be a growth year for them and they've probably got the setup and the club structure to probably push towards the bottom side of the eight. But I think there'll be some signings and some just stuff moving forward for the Bulldogs this year. Yeah. Panthers, Eels, a cracker Sunday afternoon out here in the Golden West. Looking forward to going and watching that one. But uh, Parramatta and this one I'm looking at, <clears throat> and even without Gutherson coming back, pretty solid and reliable. Hoffman's back after some injuries. Orvar on the other wing. Jennings and Hayne in the centres. French at fullback. The halves look great. The front row, not that inspiring. We said that last year, but it got them to the top four, and that back row is the same as it was. The bench... Uh, not really surprised. Scott, Takarangi, Matungi, and Evans. You thought Will Smith or Edwards might have jagged like a utility spot, but I don't know if both Scott will last the whole year, to be honest. I just think looking at him last year, I know he's probably good around the group, much like Manor, and that's why Arthur likes to have those guys there. But I think for them, best moving forward, they need to have uh, either an Edwards, even though he can be a bit loose, or Pritchard or Smith instead of probably a Bo Scott, who I... I don't see him really as a reliable middle or someone that I'd be throwing into the mix so much anymore. Matungi and Evans are must-haves for me. Takarangi, I probably would have started in the back yeah, row. Yeah, well, he covers you for outside backs and the back row. Mm. So he covers you from, you know, edge back row, center. Yeah. Probably not winger. You'd have to push the center out to the winger. But yeah. he gives you that versatility. I guess at a pinch, he can play 5-8 as well. Yeah. Yeah, for me... <clears throat> I'd probably play a Pritchard or a Will Smith or someone like that who can cover you at nine. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see whether. Hours. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether Cameron King can play the the full eighty. For me, I, I'm going to tip Parramatta. I'll, I've got high hopes for what they can do this year. I think they'd be very disappointed in the way that they finished last year. I have concerns over 
the Panthers. I like Viliami Kakao getting a start in the back row. I, I'm going to be interested to see how he goes and whether he can hold down a regular first-grade spot. He's had a lot of big raps on him, and to date, he hasn't really been able to consistently play first-grade, which would have disappointed Penrith for the fact he came over with all the hype. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a great game. Hopefully we get good weather. It's, I mentioned it earlier, the weather here hasn't been great. So hopefully it clears up. Four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, round one, Battle of the West. It, uh, I think it'll be a close game, but I'll tip the Eels. Yeah, it was a Lesniak uh, injury concerns. It looks like he's been named for round one, but they've got some cover there and a possible debut for Christian Crichton if that does come. But I think the big thing here, Tarmow needs to have a much better year. Finished a bit stronger. Merrin had a bad year last year. McKendry, after a lot of injuries, gets a crack back on the bench along with Moses Laota. Fisher-Harris and, uh, yeah, Kickout, who I've been crying out for. We both have last year to get a run. <clears throat> he gets his start there with the new halves pairing. So interesting to see how things go, especially with all the talk around the club, obviously, and uh, what's been going on with Griffin, the coaching situation, Gus, and murmurs of player unrest. And the last one out of previewing some of these games uh, of round one is Gold Coast Titans, Canberra Raiders. New look lineup for your mob, the Gold Coast Titans. Gordon, obviously, there. Uh, the halves pairing, LG, big year coming off contract. Nathan Peets at nine. Really like the fact that they got Rainer. I think that's a mistake by Penrith. I think they can get Peets to play 13 or a different spot for a bit and take Cartwright if they need to and get Rain out there to play. Um, you know, Latu up there. Proctor, it's a big year for him. Ryan James now captain and playing in the back row. Jai Arrow playing front row surprised me. He's more of a lock, but again, it's basically the same position now. But round one, they're obviously without Jared Wallace. He's suspended. I think he got suspended at the back end of last year for a game or two. And Keegan Hipgrave, who's one I expected probably in the know the next few weeks. He's suspended for the first game as well from last year. Yeah. But uh, I don't mind the back row of Proctor and James. It's just about holding that middle. So Latu, Wallace when he gets back, uh, if it is Hipgrave, these kind of guys, Morgan Boyle last year, Max King, who I thought was pretty good. I think they've got a, a good core of young guys built around this, but I just don't trust uh, so much in the halves. I know a lot of people love Ashtow and I like him too, but I, I don't put him on the same platform everyone else is just yet. And they talk about him playing for Queensland over some of the other guys they've got available, like Norman, Cherry Evans, etc. At this stage, I think that's a bit early to be saying that he's a shoe in to kind of take that spot. So, uh, big I, year. I'd agree with that. I, but for me, <clears throat> I like the Titans. I think they're similar to Newcastle in this game. I, look, I, for me, <clears throat> I've obviously selected uh, Manly to win the Wooden Spoon. That was just because I wanted to go something left of field. I think it's very easy to pick the Titans or pick the Tigers, but. For me, it's the, if, if it's not Manly that gets a spoon, it's the Titans that gets a spoon. And yep. I'm comfortable to say that they're my team. But I really think we're going to get a good month, first month of footy from the Titans. I think that's when they're going to pick up potentially a couple of wins when sides are still a little bit clunky and getting into their best work. I think by the end of the year, I, I can't really see the Titans getting within you know the top 12 teams. I think the top 12 teams will probably beat them 13-plus every week if they're on. Uh, but early in the season, I think there's going to be a lot of enthusiasm out of the Titans. Uh, hopefully they buy into what Garth Brennan's done. There doesn't seem to be a lot of injury concerns at the Titans at the moment, which is good. Whenever they've got a full side in, they usually perform quite well. They're, you know, I, I like the side. Um, you know, I like the attitude of the side. You know, They made the finals two years ago with you know, a, a patch-up side, pretty much. So yeah, that tough the attitude. Jared Hayne problem is removed. So I really like that. The Bryce Cartwright potential problem comes in. be interesting to see what Garth Brennan's done. For me, from a really fundamental coaching perspective, whether they can tackle better, whether they can um, run better lines, whether they can get over the advantage line, whether they can get their kicking game right, 
you know, the, those bottom sides, just they're going to make fundamental errors. They're going to get the core aspects of their game wrong. And for me, I, I'm confident that Garth Brennan's going to get that element right. So uh, I'll tip them to win because they're at home. At the end of the year, I think the Raiders will be much better. And the Raiders are in my eight. But for this game, I, I like the Titans. But now that I've, I've looked at the Raiders team and Sam Williams is in, I didn't expect that. Um, that gives me worries because yeah. I, I like him. <clears throat> From a game management perspective, he's going to kick Chase and steer the Raiders around. Well, him and Caesar, like I said before, Austin and Caesar and Hodgson, it seemed like those two probably were a little chaotic and a little rush, rush, rush. And let's you know be a bit more sporadic and Caesar's not that kind of bloke I think Williams and Caesar is you know they're both quite calming they both have controlling kicking games they're going to steer the side around and they have a good forward pack and a good back line out of the bench you get Soliola who's very good to have in that position Austin is an impact player Bateman is solid Dunamis Louie had some injury things he's been uh, in and out I kind of thought Gubb might have got that spot over him but that's what happens when you start to get successful sign some players and some bigger contracts you have less depth so uh, big year for them, obviously. Shannon Boyd had a down year last year. Papali contract year to Pine, starting back row finally full-time, which I was kind of calling for last year, that he's better out there. Whitehead was better with his hands on the ball in the middle of the field playing 13. So I'm with you there. Uh, Nick Kotrick in the back line, great. Leilua needs to pick up his game again this year after a flat year. Rapana good. So, um, you know, their best one to seven is good. The big question mark is nine. It looks like Austin's going to probably slot in there over Harvili, who they're pretty happy with the way he's going. Played well for Tonga. Been at a couple of different clubs, never really nailed down a spot after being such a boom player out of the 20s and the hooker of the year when he was at the Warriors. So um, interesting to see, like we said, with their draw, with the side they have, can they get enough wins or be competitive to the point where Hodgson comes back into the side? And can Austin and Caesar have a big enough year to settle their futures? Uh, you know, does Caesar want to stay there? There's talk he might be looking at going at the Bulldogs, but they've signed Jack Cogger from Newcastle. Austin, can he save himself? Is he getting pushed out slowly here? Is this... Just, uh, you know, a role they're putting him in and they're waiting to get a response out of him. I don't know, but it's a big year for those guys. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, look I, at it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Raiders solve that number nine position, obviously, with Hodgson out. I'm interested yeah. to see how that sort of plays itself out as well. Yep. All right. Well, there's a preview of some of those games, and we'll get into the tips very, very oh, soon. Some of them, my friend. All of them. Yeah, there you go. All those games. All a bit of a preview looking into those. So now moving on to NRL gossip. Uh, like I said before, he's going to be on sporadically a bit this year, a bit of a change in circumstances with work. So shout out to the big fella. Look forward to when we do get him on during the year. But we're going to quickly go over his predictions for the year, and then we'll just quickly remind you of what we had. So his top eight. What's he got? What has he got? He doesn't have a top eight. Oh, well, he hasn't sent there a top eight, unfortunately. Right. We'll have to get that one for next week by the looks of it. But Oh, he's done that one, that old chestnut. He he's going to pick it after round one. His tips and all his futures predictions. So for Gossip, his minor premiers, he has the Roosters. His slider is his own team, the Penny Panthers. His improver is the Bulldogs. Dark Horse, the Newcastle Knights. Top try scorer, Vunavalu. Top point scorer, Thurston and Dallium Smith. His spoon is the Warriors, and a lot of people seem to think that. And his premier, the Parramatta Eels. So the enemy of the Penny <laughs> Panthers. <laughs> Did, uh, left a he field. might be down at Penrith Stadium on Sunday with an Eels flag. I think he's been a bit disappointed oh, with what's going on at his club. And, uh, we might old... have to get an intervention for Keithy. Uh, poor old gossip. But uh, his gossip for this week, Carney, as we spoke about before, he's uh, got terms for a one-year deal with the Cowboys. We'll see if that gets registered by the NRL. Hmm. Moses Suleim, we've all heard this, looking to join a third club. <laughs> Well, in a month. You go. You finish off. Sorry, yeah, well, mate. what's going to happen here is obviously with a new setup, we said there's a top 30, there's reserve grade, there's jersey flag. He is still young enough to play jersey flag. The big thing here is he's a kid. They're saying that he struggles in the system. He's still too young. 
he's got a lot of friends over at Manly, so they feel like this situation with seven or eight guys that he's played some junior football with over at Manly mm. might finally be a comfortable enough situation Look, for him to go play some football. For me, if you're a knucklehead, you're a knucklehead. It doesn't matter whether you move clubs. You're just shifting the problem. Motivation motivation. Moses sorely needs to take some responsibility for his own behaviour. It's not the club's issue that have punted him. You know, the reasons why he's been punted. It's obviously a Moses Sully issue. And for me, this this highlights to me Manly's issue in the fact that they think it's attractive to sign someone like Moses Sully. I, from what I've seen of him in first grade, I, I don't understand, you know, the attraction, particularly with the off-field issues. The last thing you need is to bring someone who's firstly not going to be within your first grade squad that's going to bring that sort of off-field attention and potential disruption during the season with media attention and distractions, I, to me, it makes absolutely no sense. It's his third uh, club in a month. I thought it was ridiculous that the Bulldogs signed him. My big issue is just purely, it doesn't seem to be like he's hurting anywhere. It's just motivation. And mm. if you're 18, 19 years old, you've been given $400,000, and they were saying the other week, oh, he was struggling to get a training, he misses his friends, this, that, and the other. It's not an ordinary job, and you are a kid, but it's pretty straightforward and simple for me. If you want to make $400,000 a year and you're talented, you need to work hard. And if you're not willing to work hard, you don't play in the NRL. Why, why would he be struggling to get the training? Oh, they're just saying in general, like he didn't want to live away from his uh, family and all that, and he was struggling to get the training on time, and he had a lack of motivation, but, and seemed like he didn't want to be there, and the quicker he could get out of there. So mm. it's, I don't think he's harming anyone. It's just purely a motivation thing, but it's pretty might. straightforward. If you're not motivated, and you're on $400,000 a year, and you're very, very talented... You can have all the talent in the world, but it's not going to cut it. You need to work. You need to be part of the team environment. You don't get to cut corners in the NRL. And if he doesn't want to play first grade, if he's not comfortable training, if he's not motivated to be there, I don't know why, why anyone would touch him. So that's my biggest issue. I, I, I don't buy that as an excuse. He's been the given... fact that he's struggling to get to training. I mean, if he's on 400000 he's surely got enough stub to uh, you know, cough up for an Uber or a cab oh, not even to that. They, they moved right? him even to a... a well, this is what I mean. Closer, you, you, we're, we're making excuses for the kid. It's I, a motivation. I issue. think, again, I look at the NRL and I say, how the hell, from a welfare perspective, do you think it's smart to allow this kid to sign with a third club in a month and firstly say that it's okay? Because obviously there's an issue there that's not been solved. Mm. You're just shifting the problem. For me, the NRL should get him in, have a look at him from a welfare Maturity. perspective, have a look at mm. him from an injury perspective. And look after him, and then release him back into a club. So this, we don't have the same issue again. Because to me, what's going to happen if he gets shifted out of Manly? Well, is someone else going to sign him, or does he end up on the scrap heap? And the same issues. And this stay stay with Moses Sully, and he doesn't learn that lesson. And as a game, we failed him. And this is going back to what I've said many times before: that if it's a fringe player who does something very, very minor, clubs are quick to act, absolutely and show that they're strong, and we don't accept this stuff. But it's a talented player like him, who's 18, 19 years old. It's worth a roll of the dice. It generally shows that they're willing to do it and they'll push for it. So, from a mental aspect or just a motivation, a maturity kind of thing, I'm with you. They should have done a bit of a checkup. Why you know? Why are you struggling? Why do you not? If he if it's just the fact that he's young and he doesn't like the environment, and he's not enjoying everything and stuff like that. Maybe he needs a year or two away to realise the situation he's in, the benefits, and you know the long to him long term for being a first grader and having all this potential, all this talent, and uh, whether he finds a love again to play or whether he gets the motivation to come back in a year or two when he's twenty twenty one. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm with you. I, I wouldn't have let him sign. Third bit of gossip he's got here: Josh Mansell, very unlikely to stay at Penrith beyond this year. They're obviously talking to him. His preferred club from all rumours is the Bulldogs, but the most interesting club, and I've heard this as well, is the Parramatta Eels. They've got spare money, obviously, after Sammy Radrara left and looking for a quality outside back to bring in. So 
interesting to see what happens there. Mm. New Zealand national team want Laurie Daly to take over as the oh, coach of yeah. the Kiwis. Dear God. I don't know about that one. Well, yeah, poor old David Kidwell hasn't had a great tenure there, has he? So, it, again, it seems like a bit of a poison chalice. Well, the Kiwi job. Player disruption. And again, I said before, Stephen Kearney, well, I don't think he's done a real great job at Clubland, did a good job for the Kiwis and surrounded himself with good people. Mm. Had Wayne Bennett to help him at one stage. Still won games after that, had all the players on side. It seems like last year, Kidwell stepped on some toes with Tamalolo after the Bromwich and Proctor thing. Uh, a lot of players got offside of that. A couple of defected to Tonga. Um, yeah, I, I think that he is definitely limited time left in the role. Whether Kearney, if Kearney got sacked, I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if they put him back in the role. But Laurie Daly, for a job like that or a rep job, uh, I, I definitely don't agree with anyone that's brought up previously that he's been linked to NRL jobs. That's absolute craziness. Because he said he was struggling mentally or he was tired after a couple of Origin games. If you can't get up for three games, you definitely don't, you shouldn't be coaching a club side. That's 100% certain. No. And again, it's probably that case of, you know, he's getting opportunities because of, you know, his status as a as a, a legend in the game. Well, you know, yeah. if he was, a, you know, I guess a career coach with a, you know, non-famous name or, you know, non-elite type playing career, he probably wouldn't have that opportunity. So... It's interesting. I mean, his name was tossed around for the Gold Coast Titans job as well. It looked at one stage like he was he was the man that was going to get that gig. So from my perspective, based on what we've seen at origin level, based on what he says publicly and how he speaks, etc., I, I don't see the attraction. But, you know, it may be that New Zealand think that they need an Australian coach in charge. I, I don't know whether that's the sort of angle. But, you know, if that was the case, you'd be sort of chasing someone... I would have gone like after a, Wayne Bennett, who took the England job, to bring him in to do that on the side. McGuire or, or you know someone like that who's currently unemployed. Wayne Bennett had that success, but I mean, I think Michael McGuire's probably thinking he's he's last year's Ivan Cleary. Oh, this year's Ivan Cleary, isn't he? From last year, and the fact that he's well, going to be trying to jump into a, an NRL gig. All reports again, he's signaled to his manager or other people well, who, that if the Penrith job the gig then? became if, available, he'd be very interested in. It, so if Kidwell. Was gone. I'd yeah. say if Kearney gets sacked, he gets a crack to come straight back for the job. But my thing I said the other way, England were looking at whether they were going to keep Wayne Bennett or not. If I was New Zealand, I would have been trying to coax Wayne Bennett to take over that side of things. Cause yeah, that's that, that ship sails. Like, I'm but... just thinking now from a a perspective of, you know, where do they go? If, if And Kidwell is obviously on the outer. Yeah, well, I don't think he'll be in that job. I honestly don't. So mm. interesting uh, to see how Stacey Jones and other people like that. That's just okay, people like that, that have been yeah, a part of. They that's where I'm for, going with so it. They're, they're kind of the options I'd be looking at. And yeah, the last piece of gossip he's got here, and one that I was actually quite happy about: the Storm and Manly are both chasing Brock Lamb from the Newcastle Knights. And I said previously, mm. I was surprised that Connor Watson was getting first crack at six. It's no knock at him, but from the way Lamb played last year, given the situation, especially the way he finished the year, yeah. he looked very, very good. And look, if if he Got to Manly now, they they're not my spooners. No, definitely my concern, not. My concern is the sixth position. I I can't see them getting out of the bottom four if they don't have a recognised five eight. So if he goes there, that changes things for Manly for me. Well, I don't think he'll be released this year. Much like Cogger won't be released this year to go to the Bulldogs. They've told him that's not happening. But moving forward, as a Melbourne man, uh, Cooper Cronk has obviously moved on. Brody Croft is there. We've got Riley Jacks. We've got Munster. Munster to me is not a six. After watching last year, I liked him at six, but I still think fullback is a better position for him. Jerome Hughes, I also like a lot. I think he looked better at six, but can also play fullback. So how they shuffle all the pieces, obviously there's some depth there as well. But 
from a Melbourne perspective, if Billy is going at the end of the year, I'd move Munster back there and happily take Brock Lamb to play next to Brody Croft. That's a great young halves pairing <coughs> going forward with Munster and then potentially, obviously, Brandon Smith moving to the nine when Cameron moves on. So uh, on that side, things from a Melbourne perspective. The chessboard's starting to align, isn't it? I'm sitting here going, if we're talking to Brock Lamb, I'm not complaining about that. So if I'm Newcastle, the first few rounds and Lamb's on the bench... If Watson looks shaky at 5'8", I still think his best position is fullback. I think he moved to the wrong club, and I said this last year. The Tigers, for me, was the spot for Connor Watson. Yeah. He wouldn't have been six. He would have played fullback probably over Lola here or competed for it. But I watched him at the Roosters. He's electric when he runs the ball. He's got the ability to pass, but he's just such a spark plug. And I do think he can play six, but I just don't think he's got the other elements, the kicking game, the control. I think running's his best aspect and impact. So from a nine spot off the bench or fullback if it was going to be a starting role, I think the Tigers would have been the better club for him to move to. So yeah. he may prove me wrong, and Mitchell Pierce may have come from the Roosters and given him a bit more push in that argument with coach Nathan Brown. But um, Brock Lamb to Melbourne, after what I saw last year and the coaching of Craig Bellamy and that setup around him, I wouldn't be complaining about that move. And I'm sure Manly fans would happily take him, given they've lost Blake Green in the situation they face right now. Yeah, I agree. All righty. Just uh, a few people asked during the week, uh, posting whether they've listened to the preview pod or they just haven't got around to it. Brock, what our predictions were from last year. So before we get from in this year, yeah, for this year, sorry. Mm-hmm. Before we get into our tips and kind of wrap things up and explain our new setup with the sports, uh, the pro sports syndicate and how that's going to work with our charity bets and everything for the rest of the year. Your ladder predictions for this season for those who okay, didn't. Get I run, a I'll run through them very quickly. So from one to eight. Roosters, Storm, Cowboys, Eels, Dragons, Sharks, Rabbitohs, Raiders is my top eight. My, from nine to 16, so the teams to miss the eight, Warriors, Broncos, Bulldogs, Panthers, that would be like my top tier. And then in this tier, in any old order, Knights, Tigers, Titans, Sea Eagles. Yeah, well, my ladder, I had the top eight going from first to eighth as the Roosters, the Cowboys, the Storm and the Eels. Sharks, Panthers, Broncos, and Dragons. Uh, and then my bottom eight from ninth to 16th was the Raiders, the Warriors, uh, the Eagles. Oh, sorry, South, sorry. Raiders, Warriors, Eagles, Dogs, Knights, Titans, and Tigers. But said this last week, I'll say it again. Honestly, all the way down to almost 14th, it wouldn't surprise me if the chess pieces fell right that some of these teams find the bottom of the eight. Mm. But, yeah. Uh, and what about your futures, mate? You've got premiers and all those kind of things? Yeah, premiers, Cowboys, minor, the Roosters, the Spoon, the Seagulls. But, again, any in those bottom four, I think Knights, Tigers, Titans were the easy ones to go with. I went one left of field. I went with the Seagulls. The Sliders, I think Manly will slide even if they don't get the Spoon. Improvers, I think the Dragons, they, they obviously missed the finals last year. I, I expect them to push for a top four position this year. My dark horse is the Parramatta Eels. Top points, I have Latrell Mitchell. Again, I went a little bit left field. Top tries, I think we both had the same one, which is, again, a little bit left field. We had Kyle Felt. Dally M, I went with Talmalolo. It would be very easy to go with Thurston and Smith. But, again, I sort of went for one uh, a little bit outside of that. I think he's a third or fourth favourite. But I went with Jason Talmalolo. And my $100 sure bet, I went with one with a bit of value, $2.80. The Roosters to make the grand final, I think... It would be very, very. Uh, it would be a failed season from their perspective if they didn't at least get to the big dance, let alone win it. So yep. at two dollars eighty, I think that's a pretty good. It's a sure bet. Uh, you know, would I put 
my last hundred dollars on it? No, but I like the value there, and I want to give people value. I don't want to pick something at a dollar eighty, dollar ninety. I'll give some people something at two eighty. Well, I did that, but before we get to that, my <laughs> premiers were the Cowboys, my minors were the Roosters, my spoon the Tigers, slide up the Eagles, improve up the Dragons, dark horse. Uh, I said the Sharks, but also highlighted that if Canberra got all their ducks and drakes in a row, and Hodgson come back, that they could possibly be a bit of a dark horse. Uh, points I went with up for value because he was third that's or fourth. A, that's out a good one, yeah. He's about eight bucks, and they look to have a better hut side this year. Top try scorer, same as you felt at twenty six dollars. Dalliem, I went JT potentially because it's his last season, and if he doesn't play rep football, he's going to be there for the whole year. I think he might get a chance to get some points, and they're going to get some wins. Yeah. And my short bet, obviously, like you were saying, a bit shorter. Mine was a dollar ninety. It's probably gotten even shorter now. But Cowboys to be the top Queensland team, I think that's a pretty safe hundred dollar bet. All right. There's our futures for everyone that forgot that. We'll get Gossip's top eight next week. But now into the tips and getting the odds here. But the new setup that we were talking about and we're happy to announce was, as I said before, the Pro Sports Syndicate. Now, they've come on board. They're going to be our partners here uh, in this situation. And they're going to obviously come on board and cover the charity side of things as well. So very excited to have Matt and the blokes on board there from the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, explaining things on this side of things. Brock, and we've talked about this before, we're all about the punter, being punters ourselves. We don't mind having a bet on the rugby league, the NFL, the horses, and a few other bits and pieces. And you're probably a bit more educated than I am as far as syndicates work. But basically, syndicates uh, have got professional analysts or gamblers, people that do this full-time for a living, and they look to get a certain profit or return per year or per season, depending on what they're betting on and what they're outlaying. Yeah, it's a percentage sort of based system, and they bet in things like units, etc. So, look, I, I love I love the fact that we've got a syndicate on. For yeah. me, I'm a I'm a betting nerd. I love a punt, uh, particularly on the football. I love the NFL. I, I'm, I'm excited that they're uh, they're involved with the NFL as well. So, look, I think it's going to be a really fruitful relationship. I think it's going to add to the uh, I guess the analytical discussions that we have on each game and in review we're going to be able to talk about some of the bets that they have some of them are going to be dog shit some of them are going to be sensational um but again you know the numbers that they've put forward to us out of uh, through multiple sports has been profitable uh we're we're pretty excited about the relationship um you know obviously we we were disappointed that the, the relationship with william hill couldn't Continue, but now we've fallen into something which I I know personally I feel a lot more excited and, and a lot better about. It's going to create I think more uh, data based sort of analysis for us in terms of our betting. And yeah. there's a lot of people out here who take footy very seriously. I know we get a lot of compliments that you know you guys go a lot further in depth and uh, you're more analytical than the guys on TV, which we really appreciate. But I think having uh, the sports syndicate come on will be um, you know it's only going to add to that. Yep, and they're our official partners for the betting segment this year. So the Pro Sports Syndicate, great to have them on board. And just for example, like you said before, some of the numbers, basically you're looking for a return on your investment. So for the NFL this year, something that we both bet on, uh, in the NFL package that they did, they had a profit ahead at 27%. So if you outlaid yeah. $1,000 of bets, you're getting back 27% on top of that. So you would have got $1,270. So. And if you go to the link, T R. TP double S or TPS syndicate.com forward slash fifth and last fifth and last with the N, uh, the N in yeah. between the first and yeah. uh, fifth sorry, and fifth last, and last with the N, similar to our Twitter handle. Yeah, uh, you're going to get a discount. So the usual season price is 1194 bucks, it's now reduced to 719 for the whole year. 
people might think that's a bit steep. Um, however, they, they have a profit guarantee. So if you don't make money this year, you get the next year free. Yeah. So basically, they're not going to grab your cash and run. So from nah. that perspective, I think it shows that they're not, uh, they're not cowboys. No. Nah, they're this... not guys that are just going to pinch your money and run. Uh, they're going to make money or else they don't get paid. They have to give you the next year free. So, you know, from my perspective, um, I'm really excited about where this moves. I'm really excited in the fact that I think it's only going to add to our in-depth analysis on the games, both pre and post. Yeah, and obviously at the end of uh, weeks moving forward, we're obviously going to be able to give out some bits and pieces information, bets that they've had, bits and pieces there for people out there that are a bit umming and ahhing, and we'll get some more information as far as how the accounts work uh, and uh, the breakdown of that there. But if you're a, someone who likes putting on sport and likes to get a bit of kickback, something like this, uh, I've been involved in one of these before and joined up, and uh, this one seems more legit than any of the others that I've looked at. So very, very happy to have the boys on board. But getting into our tips for this round and having a look, the first game, obviously, as mentioned, was the Dragons and the Broncos. That one for me. Uh, I'm going to be going the Dragons in Sydney. First game. Ben Hunt up against his old club. Not sure about the halves for the Broncos and a few injury concerns. Guys that have had mixed seasons in that new front row. Dragons will take some time to gel, but I'm pretty confident in the Dragons getting the job done. Yeah, I've got the Dragons. Yep, and uh, obviously next week, like I said, we'll hopefully have some options there of bets that they've had with the Syndicate and other bits. Yeah, we're going to be able to go through and tell you what they had, etc. And then it's going to make it more viable and people are going to understand it. But it's just nice to have... Someone jump in, and I think if anything, it's going to take the, as I said, the gambling and the charity bet stuff to a next another level, which will be excellent. Yep, and you've gone the Dragons as well. I've gone the Dragons, yeah. So you're confident with me there. Gossip has gone the Broncos. So he's obviously feeling confident at the hardest pairing and not worried about the injuries of McCulloch and Boyd heading into round one. The second game we've got... Oh, sorry. I should probably do the odds, shouldn't I, for that game? You should. If you're going to have a bet on that with us, the Dragons are $1.80, Brisbane $2. The line is minus one. And a half on that game. One to twelve dragons, three fifteen, three twenty-five Broncos, thirteen plus is three seventy-five dragons, five dollars for the Broncos. I'd be looking probably one to twelve on the Dragons, in all honesty. And moving on to yeah. the second game, you've obviously got the Newcastle Knights up against Manly. A very tight one there uh, at home as far as this one's concerned. But with that in mind, and Lachlan Croker starting in the halves there. And then, uh, despite the new spine, I'm going to back Newcastle being at home. All that excitement, the hype around the team and all the changes there in round one, I'm going to hope that they get over the line. I'm going the Knights as well, yeah. I, I like the fact that they're at home and I expect them to start the season off with plenty of enthusiasm and get the result. Yeah, and uh, the odds on that one, uh, $1.90 a piece. It's a pick and game. It is minus one and a half to Newcastle, plus one and a half for Manly, one to 12, 320 a piece, 13 plus 425 a piece, and Gossip is also on nights, living up that way. And obviously, Grandpa Gossip, he's a Newcastle Yeah, man, hopefully, so. hopefully Grandpa Gossip is um, travelling well as well. He had some health concerns at the back end of last year. So shout out to yep. to Mr. Gossip's dad, who, yeah, he had a bit of a rough patch. So hopefully he's on the mend, and hopefully Newcastle can get a few more wins for him this year. Yeah, especially this year with all the changes. Fingers crossed things are a lot more positive for him on that side of things. But the Cowboys and Cronulla, absolute cracker to kick off Saturday football up there in North Queensland with Hampton being out. Like I said, I still like the forward pack and the halves. I'm sure they'll readjust for that. Really like the bench. Just see a bit more cohesion in that side. There's a few... Changes in key positions as far as the uh, Sharks are concerned. So I expect them to be tough but clunky in yeah. a very, very close game of football. I'll be taking the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to go the Cowboys as well, mate. Uh, mind you, the start, I think the start's five and a half. So 
I don't mind the taking the five and a half on Cronulla. I think they're going to be very competitive. I just like the stability in the key positions for North Queensland early in the year and the fact that uh, they're at home. I've got to bring this up, and I said it in the preview. I just really, really hope that Morgan doesn't fall out of the wayside here. They need to find a way to both be on the ball and be well, dominant. They've said that you know he's going to be the one controlling the team now. JT's going to take a back step. So, Well, even realistic. Which is smart. Let's be honest. He's not as quick as what he was. He can't be as physical as what he was. He can't keep digging in the line and taking yeah, those he's shots. Very, he's very sharp. So just let him get his eyes up the field. Let Morgan do the pushing around. He's obviously had to learn that job while JT was out. Well, he ticked a lot of boxes we didn't expect him oh, to have. Like he gets him to a grand final. Yeah. Like just reproduce what you did there in terms of pushing the side around. Then you add JT to that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be really fruitful. If they find the balance, it's going to be outstanding. And Gossip, here's with us on that one. He's also on the Cowboys, and they are the favourites. It's fifty. 260 for the Sharks. Minus five and a half is the line there. Don't mind that start. One to 12 cows, $3, $4 for the Sharks. 13 plus for the cows is 285 650 for the Sharks. That's another one to 12 game for me. So uh, Tigers playing against the Roosters. I mentioned those changes. Godinay playing at nine. Uh, the new spine. McQueen not playing in the back row. Nofalumi not being in there. Ivan Cleary coach sides always, in my opinion, will give their absolute best and they will overachieve as they did at the back end of last year. But a quality Roosters side. I expect Cleary to be a late inclusion and I have no hesitation in tipping the Roosters. And this is one of the only ones I'm looking at and I honestly feel this one could be a 13-plus game. Yeah, I agree. I, ten and a half is about right. I would I'd take the Roosters minus 10.5. I think West will keep it tight for you know a long way, but... I expect the Roosters probably to win by two tries. I think that's a fair line. Yeah, and uh, Gossip, he agrees with us there. And the odds on that one, thirty for the Roosters. three fifty-five for the Tigers, minus 10.5 is a line. As you said, 1-12 to 12 Roosters, $3 and $5 for the Tigers. 13 plus, 210 $10 for the Tigers. South Sydney uh, with Reynolds returning. The harsh pairing of him, Walker, the edges, Gagai, Inglis, Crichton. Burgess back to lock. Sutton gets that edge start. Over Burgess, I thought Murray would have been starting to lock. Like the bench with uh, Terrell Fumano, him. The big question, obviously, is, as we mentioned, uh, the front row and the middles, can they hold their job? But on the Warriors side of things, Green coming in brings a lot more stability to the spine. Will Luke prep up? Adam Blair, Harris, can these guys steer things around? No mannering. That hurts. He's the heartbeat of that team. Very stable, very consistent, always does his job. So... This one, for me, I'd have to take South on what I've seen I, in the preseason. I really, really like South in this game. <laughs> They're probably... If I'm going to have a bet this weekend, I'm most confident on South Sydney. Oh, there you go. And Gossip agrees with us there. And this one's over in Perth. They've been doing that the last few years, but I think this is at the new stadium, isn't it? So it's going to be quite oh, It's going to be huge, yeah. Double header. Saturday night, uh, they've got two... I think really, really good games. Most people are going to be very excited to see how South Sydney go under the new coach. New same South. as same as Canterbury. I think you'll have a, a lot of New Zealanders over there watching the game who, well, now there's that hole, there's that vacancy through the Western Force being taken out. There's going to be a lot of people there wanting to see some football and uh, some oval ball, I guess, <laughs> games instead of, you know, the, the AFL ball. So... I expect them to, to nearly sell it out and, you know, have the defending premiers there playing again against a side with a new coach. It's got a lot of hype, new players. I think Saturday night's going to be excellent. I'm really looking forward to it. Yep, I'm really 100% there and the odds on that one. I'm going was... Melbourne, by the way. Oh, you've just moved yeah. on to the next game, Adam. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought you were, that's the game you are talking about. Yeah, no, I've got South 
And then, yeah, I'll let you get to the other game. South are $1.47, 270 for the Warriors. Minus 6.5 is a line. I'd like to say I'm comfortable with it, but I'm not because it is round one. So I'll be staying away from that just to start with. 6.5? Uh, 1 to 12, South, $3, $4 for the Warriors. 13 plus, South, 265, 7 for the Warriors. And moving on to that second game, like you said, Canterbury versus Melbourne. Melbourne, no Slater, no Hughes at the back. Munster pushes there. Jax comes in. I'm perfectly comfortable with Jax playing with Croft. Still got Smith. Bromwich, Solomon, Cassiano, I expect to be a late inclusion. Same back line. Good back row, Hoffman with Felice. Um, yeah, I think the dogs always seem to want to get ugly with us, and I'm sure it could end up being a closer game than many expect, but I will be sticking with the Storm. Gossip sticking with the Storm. And I've already told you. You're already sticking already with the Storm because you, yeah. you've gone off on your own tangent. Yeah. So. They are a $1.40 favourite, the Storm. $3 for the Dogs. Minus 7.5 is a line here. Again, a bit of an awkward one for me in round one with a couple of changes there. 1 to 12 for Melbourne is $3. $4.25 for the Dogs. 13 plus for the Dogs. Eight fifty two forty for Melbourne. Penrith Power, looking forward, obviously, attending this one. Hopefully a nice sunny arbor. Can't wait. In the West, fingers crossed on that key thing that it is sunny but not too hot. If not, you'll be on the, la- you'll be on the lounge, mate. Oh, mate. If it's... If you it's love bad. a bale. Yeah, 100%. If it's not perfect, not perfect if, if it's not good conditions to drink beer on the hill, I'd rather sit at home watching on TV. Yeah, You're hundred percent right. But uh, I'm very, very intrigued to see Parramatta. I really, really am. I wish Gutherson was available, but was impressed by the way they worked last year. Looking forward to watching Bevan French, uh Hayne in the centres, Jennings, etc. See how that all works out. And the halves from last year now they've had a full off season under their belt. A few things like I said on the bench in the forward pack, but they're tough. They're the image of their coach. They're always gonna give you a half hard time. Now, you don't take any shit, that's for sure, the Parramatta Eels, and no, that, that's Arthur's way. Uh, Penrith, very interested just from everything that's happened in the offseason. Lots of changes. Maloney moving into the halves with Cleary. Kick-out finally getting a start in the back row. Griffin being under pressure. There's a lot of question marks to be had there, but the Battle of the West is usually an ugly game. So Absolutely, yeah. I'm going to be going with Parramatta just off what's a known quantity, and after everything I've kind of heard coming out of Penrith, gossip's going that way, and I'm thinking you're going to be the yeah, same. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Parramatta. I, yeah. Oh, it's... Difficult to tip Penrith. I like the fact Penrith are at home and it's going to be a sellout. I, I like like it from that perspective. But Parramatta are going to have a lot of guys, a lot of fans travel. So Yeah, 100%. I just hope it's a good game. Half of the Parramatta's fans are going to be coming with you because everyone in your life is a Parramatta yeah, fan. Yeah, I know. Your wife's a Parramatta fan. One of your best mates is a Parramatta fan. His family, etc. My wife's dad. Everyone I work with seems to be a Parramatta fan as well. So We've it's... got a baby on the way and that's destined to be a Parramatta fan no, as well. No, it's not. So... Uncle Lewis is going to be still no, home, He's going to be a Storm fan. Disciple of Bellamy. It'll be a Falcons fan. That's the only surety I've got. Yeah, well, you should let otherwise me. You can s- let me lead. Otherwise, it'll be sleeping out with the dog. You should let me lead Australia as far as the NRL side of things yeah, is concerned. You can go, for, go for your life with the NRL. Clean sweep for the Eels for all of us here, and they are the outsiders. They were two dollars. They've now moved into a dollar ninety-five. Penrith a dollar eighty-five at home. Minus one and a half again is a line. I'd be happy to take that start on Parramatta. One to twelve, three twenty for the Panthers. Three twenty-five for the Eels. Thirteen plus four dollars for the Panthers. Four fifty for the Eels. And the last one of the round, your mob. Gold Coast at home there at Seabus Super Stadium. Uh, obviously, Wallace missing kind of hurts round one. LG big year, contract year for him. Gordon in the side, Rain on the bench. Uh, you know, Proctor after that throat injury, which was horrific. James now in the back row. There's a fair bit of changes. New coach, new environment. I'm with you. I kind of think they'll be competitive. And I'll try really hard. And I hope to see some of that fruit and some changes and some positive moving forward. But... Uh, on the Canberra side of things, even without Hodgson, the Williams move is a big one for me. Big year for Papali, Boyd, etc. after a down year. Rapana, like the back line, like the forward pack. Uh, I'll be going with the Raiders. Yeah, I like the Titans at home. Similar reasons to why I picked 
Newcastle. I think Canberra are going to finish well ahead of the Gold Coast on the uh, on the ladder, but round one, I like the Titans at home. There you go. And Gossip, he agrees with you. He's got the Titans to win at home as well, and they are the outsiders. So value for both of you guys there, 225. For the Titans, the Canberra Raiders are dollar sixty five. The line's three and a half. Like you're better off just backing the Titans head to head than the three and a yeah, half. Yeah, you like, don't want the start. You know, That's not you, helping you. You don't want uh, you don't want to back the start and have Canberra win by four. You're better off just having a head to head bet on the Gold Coast. Yeah, uh, and minus three and a half is a line on that one. One to twelve for the Raiders is three ten, three fifty for the Gold Coast Titans. Thirteen plus is three twenty five for the Raiders. Five fifty for the Titans. So looking at the tips, the only real difference is I'm on the Raiders solo and Gossip has gone solo on the Broncos. Other than that, we're all the same the whole way around. So only two different between us. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to, like I said, our betting and odd segment, a lot more detail this year for all the punters out there, a bit more heavy on us. And big thank you guys again to the Pro Sports Syndicate for coming on board for that special discount offer tpssyndicate.com forward slash fifth and last. That is the letter N, not the word and. And a reduced rate there. The usual season price, like we said, is almost $1,200. Reduced to $719. And for those who don't understand a syndicate, obviously, if you only punt casually, it's a bit of a different story, Brock. But like we said before, you're looking for profit on your bets and we're going to be giving out stuff uh, every week that they have bet on or what they haven't bet on. And they're not trying to hide anything here. Like I said, they have plenty of offers there. Uh, and give all the information as far as wins and losses. There's going to be down periods. There's no doubt about that. But, for example, the NFL package, which you both had a sample to uh, and we had a look at before the season just gone, passed over. Uh, they had a profit of 27% on their yearly investment. So if you invested, you know, like we said, $1,000, you won 1270 And that's what you want to be doing. If you want to have bets... If you're looking for information, you want to be coming out ahead. So 27% is a pretty good profit margin. Absolutely. And we're going to have Absolutely. some stuff to back that up. So thank you to them for coming on board. And the big one, again, we say this, we need to pick a charity again this year, but the charity bet is something, <clears throat> I think just, you know, I, I think it's the right thing to do. And I we, guess that was, for me, that was a disappointing aspect of, um, you know, the end of the relationship with William, William Hill. Yeah, that they've, was, they've that was been a disappointing aspect. Uh, so. Shout out again, I said it last week, in particular to Wade, who's helped us out this whole period of time. He sent back some good emails, and I sent him uh, an email as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to have him on board, work with us, help us out along the way. He's helped yeah. the show grow and the podcast grow, and they've got us, you know, some organic growth and some more likes and bits and pieces and promos over the time. But the big one is the charities. From day dot and there, I think we've gone close to we had a couple of seasons around the $2,000 mark. Last year wasn't exactly the greatest year, more about 1200 But I think over the four or five years, we would have gone close to $10,000. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, very, very happy to have the Pro Sports Syndicate pick up that, considering they're not a betting agency and their profit margins obviously work differently. Um, yeah. But yeah, for people in particular that are, are big punters like us out there on all sports, they do NBA, NFL, NRL, and that's our interest right now. Obviously, the NRL will get more details and some betting stuff to compare in the weeks to come, but we're both really excited for that one because generally we are about the punters being punters ourselves, not about the bookies taking our cash. Absolutely, so, my friend. Great to have them on board, and that wraps us up, Boxhead. It does. Bit great a- first show. I know pre-round one, it's hard to deal with again because we're only dealing with things on paper and opinions, etc. At least we're going to see some form emerge, even though it's round one. Usually after two rounds, everyone's won one, lost one. That's usually the way it sort of pans out. So. Yeah. You know, it's going to take a little bit of time, but bear with. We're going to have some good analysis on the show, as always, and uh, keep the questions rolling in, keep the interactions going on, um, and look forward to a, a massive year ahead. I think the big thing, again, also, 
last week and tonight maybe a little bit disjointed, but it's a bit of a rush right now. Obviously, like we said before, we do this show, uh, you know, in our spare time. We do have full-time jobs. There's a fair bit going on. We're obviously coach at the moment as well, which takes up three or four days of the week outside of this. Partners, you, as you mentioned before, and congratulations and everybody out there, you're going to be a father. Mm. Coming up as well, so always plenty on the plate. This year, yeah. So, um, yeah, we obviously say bear with us, especially during this time when footy and all that's still going, because sometimes yeah, things we're, may we're seem flat out at the moment. a little bit disjointed and uh, a bit crazy, like tonight's show, but we're also really, really appreciative of everyone that's been supporting us for the last five seasons and this year and this season. I don't know why you're apologising. Tonight's show was kick-ass, season preview was kick-ass, the rest of the year we kick-ass. Bring it on. Great response also, like I said, in trying to get some people to jump on as sponsors and hopefully we can do you justice in the season ahead. But uh, probably just moving into how things are going to be next week onwards. We're going to have our set of six again where me and Brock obviously gave her the points that we want to talk about, topics in rugby league, things from games, players, etc. Fan questions will be more streamlined. That's the big one to take on board moving forward. If you do see a repeat question, please come up with something else or if it's already been asked, just don't write anything, unfortunately. But yeah. if it's been covered, don't flood the conversation and we're going to try and stream like that. We can't do 50, 60 every week. Too many repeats. Takes up a big chunk of the show. We do love doing it. And a couple of times this year, bro, I reckon we do some of those live videos again where we do questions afterwards as well yeah, to cover some good. people. So yeah. uh, that'll be something that'll be cut down. But game reviews, gossip, tips, and this betting analysis now going in heavier with the Pro Sports Syndicate. So big thank you to them for coming on board and obviously to all those new sponsors that came on board, pokerdeluxe.com.au. Make sure you have a look at their website and uh, especially those local footy clubs. Like I said, if you're looking for a fundraiser, they have a guaranteed profit there of $1,000 as a minimum, which is absolutely outstanding. They cover all states except Tasmania. They also do bucks parties, corporate events, hens parties, fundraising, social poker nights. I went to one. They brought the poker gear. There was a bar tab supplied in a Sydney pub. They taught us how to play. We played for a tournament. I ended up winning, actually, which is pretty nice. Good on you, mate. Um, but that was a pretty good night for the Bucks. And the P and Boltmaster, like I said there, for anyone out there, they're your ultimate fastening supplier. Main office in Penrith. The other one's in Castle Hill. You can buy stuff online there. They're great. They have an industrial range and engineering products, abrasives, hand-cutting tools, etc. all that stuff. So a big shout-out to Warren there. www.nepbolt.com.au and check them out on Facebook. And last but not least, Penrith Solar Centre. Like I said, bit of one close to us. We've both got a solar system installed. I actually do electricity for a living and I get abused because I do work for the network or the government and people see my shirt and say, you're the reason my bills are so high. I still pay a bill as well, but that's why I've got onto solar. Because let me tell you, your bills are not going to get any cheaper, unfortunately. That's the way things are going to go, especially with this privatisation. So Penrith Solar Centre, they're the ones you want to get onto. Let the sun do some work for you. Get onto their website and the Facebook page, www.penrithsolar.com.au. <whistles> Round one. Done. In the books. Preview done. It's only going to get better and better. Things will be a lot more streamed and uh, a lot more streamlined over the next couple of weeks. We appreciate everybody out there. But Brock, finally, Rugby League is back. Round one is within the next couple of days. So the last thing for you to do is enjoy your week and enjoy the first round of the NRL Rugby League. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 